Welcome to episode 142 of the Rev Talk Gumbo podcast. Uh, this is a special non-live episode. Every time you say the number, I'm like in shock that it's as high as it is. Yeah, I just looked it up. That's how I know what number it is. That's crazy. Uh, so we're just doing a quick intro. This is actually, <laughs> these are interviews from the Bryan College Station Herp Show back in, I think, September. Uh, we did release the Conroe Show, which actually came after the Bryan College Station. That was just so Dax would get off my back about releasing that show. But <laughs> I I love Dax at the end of your He got a new puppy. They did get, they did get, they got a, they got a sweet little corgi puppy. They got a corgi. I saw it on Facebook earlier. But this one is from back in September. Uh, it's, it's a great episode. This one has our friend Corey Martin from Corey Martin's Reptiles. Mm-hmm. Which, I missed that one. Yeah, you were working at the front, so you weren't there with us for that one. Uh, and then, then we have Joe and Brittany from Repticulture, who we actually had in studio a couple episodes ago. But yeah, but I recorded this interview, and I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. So you get that. And then a really interesting one. We had Matt Harrell of uh, Minuteman Fossils. So that was a really cool one where we got to talk about fossils. That was an awesome interview. I got to give a shout out because he did get me some trilobites for my classroom because I love being able to talk about trilobites. Anybody that's a fossil person, they're amazing. And he also got me at the Pearland show. He uh, got me some dirt from 65 million years ago when a meteor killed all the dinosaurs. There you go, man. Super exciting. Uh, We did have the Pearland show, which I was going to release, but I forgot I had had these episodes. So the Pearland show will be our our show episode in December, our week off in December. Uh, So before we get into the, the thing, let's go ahead and do our sponsors. Katie, you want to go ahead and try and do it from memory since you don't have your phone? If you are looking for a high-quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer all types of cages for rats, geckos, snakes, and more. You can even order something custom. So reach out to Lone Star Reptile. You're really struggling through that now, I- aren't you? <laughs> if you need a cage, a rack, a hide, any of that stuff. Anything awesome, reach out to Robert at Lone Star Reptile. And he will take care of you. You can pick up local. You can pick up at a Herps Reptile show near you. Any of that. It can Any all ship. be arranged. Any can ship. It can all be arranged. LSReptileRacks.com. Reach out to him today. Reach out to him also. He's also got a, uh, oh. this is going out today, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you listen to this like through before the end of the weekend for Thanksgiving, then you're also going to have an opportunity to get a discount because he's running a discount on his website. Yeah, if you're looking for his Facebook right now, uh, like a lot of our friends, apparently, uh, Facebook did a, a wash over animal-related Facebook pages and like just shut some of them down. Yeah. So go to his website, his Facebook page. He's in a process of trying to get that back up. Uh, also, Herps Reptile Shows. Uh, our next one is December 3rd and 4th. That's next weekend in Austin, Texas. Then Slidell, which is the last one of the year, December 10th and 11th at Slidell, Louisiana. And then we start off the year January 14th and 15th, Oklahoma City, Longview, Texas, January 21st and 22nd. The Big Show in Conroe, January 28th, 29th. That's my birthday. Uh, Corpus Christi, February 25th, 26th. New Orleans, which is March 4th and 5th. And then, funny enough on here, March 11th and 12th, Brian College Station. So back to where this show was originally recorded. Yep. Uh, again, check out our store if you're looking for shirts. I'm going to try and get some new shirt designs up. I've got I got a new computer for Thanksgiving. Uh, so now my computer will allow me to like actually work on it. For Thanksgiving. It was for things. It was for Christmas, but it was you know you get it Black it Friday. You. I gave it to you early. She did. She did. So now I can actually I can. Because I was tired of him stressing out over this computer that may or may not have turned on every time he got. Yeah, to that computer it. was it froze on me last night trying to edit podcast, which is yes. why it's coming out a day later because I just was I was done at the end of Thanksgiving. I was not trying. 
Um, so again, check out our store on Facebook for shirts and shoes. You can buy shoes on there. You can buy yoga pants. You can buy hoodies. Uh, I'm going to try and get our new logo on some stuff. Again, if you are an artist out there and would like to donate a cool piece of art that you've done, and it could be anything, really, any, any reptile-related art, send it to us and we'll talk. And we'll put it on the back of one of our shirts. We'll do a, like a special run. Uh, that money will will help us fund this. It will help us pay for the podcast because this all comes out of pocket right now. And so if you if you if you like listening to the podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And plus it gives us a chance to put some cool shirts out there with our listeners' art on it. Which I mean, I yeah, really how love. many people can say, Oh, I designed this t-shirt because yeah. that's what you could have the opportunity to do. That's what I would love, is love to get some of our listeners. I go, look, this was from one of our listeners. This was their artwork. So check that out. Um, our giveaway. Oh, we got a few days left this month. I may extend it into next month. We may do a little bit longer, do but like the first week, but our friends over at Repticulture are doing a 50, $50 gift certificate to Repticulture. They ship. So you can check them out online and they're a full functioning reptile pet store. They got supplies, animals, all sorts of stuff. $50 gift certificate. All you got to do is go over to our Facebook page. It's pinned at the top of our Facebook page. Go on there and tell us what you would spend that on, what you would like to get lights, uh, so maybe some rapashi or maybe an animal, whatever it may be. Go tell us what it is, and we'll put you in the drawing for the $50 gift certificate. Uh, I think that is it. We'll get into this uh, episode. Like I said, it's got Corey Martin from Corey Martin's Reptiles, Joe and Brittany from Repticulture, who are doing the giveaway. So go listen to them, and then go over to our Facebook page and tell us what you want to get from their shop, and you're in for the giveaway. And then Matt Harrell from Minuteman Fossils, and we can talk about fossils and dinosaurs and all sorts of cool stuff in that interview. We will be back next week live on Tuesday. Uh, sorry, this one's coming out a little late, but we will be back next week. Uh, that one will be live, and my computer will be nice and shiny and working. I'm glad. I'm super excited. Uh, but give it a listen, and yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye. All right, we're here with Corey Martin from Corey Martin's Reptiles. How's it going, Corey? Hey, how are you? I'm good. We are good. at the Bryan College Station. It's such a mouthful to always say. Brian. And I always want to be like Brian, but then like it feels weird just saying Brian. It, yeah. You can't just say Brian. It's like you can't say Midland or Odessa. You have to say Midland, Midland. Odessa. Yeah, yeah. But they get but pissed like up Brian, there because they yeah, hate each other. Brian College Station it just it all goes together. Yeah, because like if you're in College Station, you're you just driving, 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 and you're like, oh, I'm in Brian now. Yeah. yeah. There's like no. It's all it's all one yeah. big thing. Yeah, I've been on the strip like one of the times we went to dinner for one of the vendor things, and I was driving down the road, and all of a sudden I was just in the different town. Yeah. yeah. No separation. That's how it is in Austin now, too, though. You're like, oh, now I'm in Round Rock. Oh, yep. now no, I'm in Pflugerville. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just, those may not be together, but you know. They are. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how it is driving around Houston. Like, everything is oh, just yeah. is one place now. Well, Houston has two cities that it completely engulfs. Oh, really? West University and Bel Air are completely surrounded by oh, the city of Houston. I didn't realize those weren't part of Houston. No. Oh. No, they're their own city. It's just wow. like an amoeba just took Have their own people. city council, their own police department, their own Inside everything. of the... Within the so it's like the Vatican City. Yeah. Where the Vatican City is its own country inside of Italy. Yes. Yeah. That's weird. How does it? Like, how do you feel if you're a city and all of a sudden like they're oh hey so we know you've been a city for a long time, uh, but now everything around you is ours. Yeah. Like pretty much how it went. That's how that's how it goes. Now it's gotta feel like uh, Austin. Like I know you were <laughs> Texas for a while, but now you're California. Well, <laughs> we've been California for a, a while. Long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing new there. No. So speaking of being in Austin, yes. uh, you are now. We've had you on before, but something different from before. You are now a full-time breeder. I am. You have you have quit working, and now you work more. Well, that's probably not what we're <laughs> well, you, well, you work different. I'm, it, I've been working a whole lot because I was very, very busy while I was um, 
while I was working my full-time job and doing snakes. And I was basically just kind of doing the minimum I needed to do to like, you know, manage husbandry, keep everyone healthy and alive. And I didn't have time for things like sales or (laughs) anything else. And so now that I'm actually, um, you know, doing this full-time, I have all the things to catch up on, all (laughs) the projects that I was putting off. Um, And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot, but it's good. Because you have your balls, your hogs, your carpets, carpets blackheads. blackheads, blackheads, brittles. Yep, some green trees. Um, Hog nose. It's yep. crazy that I've been to Corey's house twice, but I've never been in either of the reptile rooms because I'm always working on something else. It's true. And then Rachel goes and looks at all the snakes. That's a waste. True. Yeah, we just put you to work when you come over to my yeah. house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I have to go look at everything. Oh, we put we we put your husband to work last time yep. too. We carried two yep. giant racks upstairs. And they're already almost full. Are they really? <laughs> How's he handling now that you're, you're home all the time and you're working there? Well, so he works from home full-time, too. So, so how's he handling uh, you being there? <laughs> <laughs> he likes it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah He's for not me, lonely during the day now? No. No. Uh, but we also have homeschooled kids, and so right. our, we've got, like, you know, a bustling household during the workday. You have the steepest driveway I've ever seen it in my life. It is so steep. Is it worse than yours? Dude, it's, it's bad. double steep as mine. Holy fuck, because yours sucks. Um, like, it, it's... I don't even understand why yeah. they did it like that. It's it, it's too steep. Yeah. And, it's like and we have a pond on the other side of the road, and so I'm constantly afraid my brake's going to fail overnight, and I'm just going to find my car in the middle of the pond. Yeah. Or all your oil is in the back <laughs> of the engine and all the fuel. If you're low on gas, you yeah. might not be able to start your car. <laughs> I had gas last night. You have to put it in neutral, coast down, yep. and get flat, and then start it. Yeah. That's crazy. But, you know, when I lived in San Diego, my house was like that. Um, because I had a Nissan Frontier, uh-huh. and about a month after I moved there, I was a broke college kid. My starter went out, and it was a standard. Oh, so I would geez. back it in on the hill, and then in the morning, I would just put it in neutral and get to rolling. And <laughs> <in the> first. <laughs> I did that for like nine months. Wow. So anywhere I would go, I would have to make sure I parked on a hill. But in, yep. in San Diego, that's easy because everything's on a hill. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that's how I started my truck for almost a whole year. So my parents came to visit, and they were like, go, let's go get you a starter. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was only like 40 bucks. <laughs> Go figure. Right. I've, had, I've had those issues before. Like, yeah. oh, this seems like going to be so expensive. And then you realize, oh, wait, no, I could have done this forever. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, now that you have more time there, are you doing anything besides being in your snake room way more? Yeah. Are you doing things different and trying new things with your animals, with how you take care of them or how you try to breed them? Or? Yeah. So the biggest thing so far is I'm trying to be a little bit more on top of things with record keeping um, and really... Uh, I'm trying to convert over to um, Husbandry Pro, like an online-based system mm-hmm. for keeping track of stuff. And mind you, I've done this like three times of trying <laughs> to get going with it. I, and I've then tried, I, the, I've and tried then all I those things up. multiple times and I can't um, do it. Every single time, I'm like, this sounds like a great idea. I'm going to spend all of this time entering everything into the system. And the first time you and have to scan something, you're like, oh, i got to scan all like, of them? Oh, this, oh. Is, this is a lot. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying that, but I can already see myself, like, maybe my spreadsheet isn't so you bad. You need to make friends. You're in, like, the tech mecca for Texas. Yeah. You need to find someone who can design it to do exactly what all of us would actually do on a regular basis. And not well, they're doing a pretty good job with Husbandry Pro. You know, that's uh, Billy, mm-hmm. Billy oh, yeah. D. Rose is kind of the face of that. And uh, they've been really responsive to making changes because I, I was have. a I was like a beta member when it first started and it was clunky. Mm-hmm. I, and I, now it's seems yeah, to be no, quite it's, a bit better. It's, it's, it works pretty well. What was the first one? There was one. Uh, I did reptile scan. I think that's what I yeah. had. And I, I just I got tired of having to take my phone out and scan yep. it every time I was doing something. I'm like, I just can't do this. Yeah. So 
I I like it for because I have a lot of different species, obviously. Yeah. And with the babies, there's so many different feeding schedules, and um, you know they'll have different feeders that they're eating. Like some of them are eating scented, and some of them aren't. And so keeping track of that kind of stuff, I think it would be really helpful. How many sinks are you up to now? Do you know the number? I I try not to look. <laughs> I, um, so she just got clutch 43. So ballpark. We know there's at least 43 females. <laughs> right. <laughs> there, are, there are more than 43 females. So are we under 500? I don't know. Okay, that's, that's, that's dangerous. <laughs> that is a dangerous area to not know. Well, considering she has two 80-tub hatchling racks that are basically full... Yeah. That's that's 160 right there. How big is your how many incubators are you running right now? I I have two. How big are they? So one is a 60-inch... Uh, sea serpents, and the other one is a 36-inch sea serpent. So I have one that's the ball python one, and then and and carpets go in that one too. And then I have a separate one for the hog noses because they need to incubate lower. Are you still doing a, a decent amount of carpets? I know you got a lot of ball pythons now, but so I didn't have a great season with them. I so I had a clutch of brettles, yeah. and um, that was ended up being a great clutch. And then I had two clutches of IJs, and they one of them complete like half was slugs and half was oh. infertile, and then the other one had a couple of fertile eggs, but they just hatched out and only one was going to be healthy and it had a bad kink in the neck. So, so yeah, so, so, so it's been a, it's been a bad it's been a bad carpet year. Mm. That sucks. Well, and it's weird because you think brittles would have been the hard one. Y you would think that. I think I focused so much energy on trying to work on those that I didn't get my actual regular snake room cool enough. Yeah, because the brittle, how cold did you get those guys? Mid-50s. Wow. Yeah. What did, what did you do for them? So I put them in uh, in containers in my laundry room. I opened the window to the laundry room and closed the door and had them in there at night. Did it stress you out? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I had, a, I had a thing on my phone so I could monitor the temperature. Um, and... Yeah, it, it was super stressful. So I've, I've put my rubber boas through two two years now of dropping them down into the 40s and, like, ice wow. forming on the outside of the box, and they still roam around. And so at this point, I'm like, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Now they, they live. <laughs> so I didn't even take them that far from So my inc my uh, cooler and incubator are in a closet of the snake room. Okay. And in there is, like, a table where I take pictures and have my photo booth set up. And my rubbers used to be in a rack. This year, I was like, screw it. They came out of the cooler, and I just put them on a shelf. I was like, you can sit in here until, like, they're good at room temperature. Yeah, I mean, I, I was yeah. there and saw ice on the top of the tub, and the snakes are cruising around That's inside. That's wild. Yeah, so now who, at this who point. Who was it that had one died during brumation this year and then didn't know until they opened it up, and they were like, oh, there's a mummy in there? I forget. I don't know. Was it Travis? It may have been. I don't remember. I remember somebody telling us that story, though. It may have been. And James was like, great. I'm going to go check <laughs> on my snakes now. <laughs> I'm, but with, with them now, when I put them in there, it's like, I kind of forgot about them this winter. I was like, yeah. they're in there. They're fine. I, I figure if they if ice can form around the box and they can still move, like the first winter he was up. not okay. I was not right. okay. I was a, a paranoid wreck. Yeah, because it doesn't feel natural, especially you having snakes that don't drop that low. Like, Absolutely, yeah. When you, you drop a python, like a ball python or a carpet, it's no, it's gonna get. I mean, it's gonna get sick. So, yeah. so you're like, if you, any of those things you, you drop, people what like high seventies is the lowest you're going with any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you're talking about having to actually cool, cool them, which was... No, no, no. I go I go down to, like, the high 60s. High 60s? Yeah, but only at night, so they warm up during the day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, with the rubbers, it was in the cooler 24-7. Yeah. Well, that's how I, I, I brumated my hog noses for the first time this past year, and it was... Um, how low did you get those? Uh, I think... I think mid... High 50s, I think. Just It feels so weird. Yeah. Do you have a, cool, you have a fridge for I've, that? I have a wine like fridge. A wine cooler? That's why yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, Russell, he um, 
he was telling us last week that he had his entire snake building spray foam, floor, ceiling, walls, and then he had a wall put up through the middle so he can brewmate half the room. Or wow. He can, so he, he can run two seasons. That's amazing. But, you know, he's doing 99% corn snakes. Yeah, that way so. he always has corn snakes throughout the year. Yeah. That's cool. That's actually, that's really good thinking. Yeah. So there you go. You just, just redo your entire house. Right. Redo no problem. Your, you know what? Redo your kitchen again. I again. Don't, I don't think Corey could put snakes anywhere else it's in her house. It's packed. It's packed. She, she can just redo the yeah, kitchen. How long did y'all go with no kitchen? A year? A year. Like 11 months. I always felt so horrible. I'm like, I don't know how you could do without a kitchen. It was rough. Just and then it's, t- it's taken me a while to get used to having a kitchen again. Like, I'll go, like, I'll oh, immediately go dishes. to the bathroom to start filling pitchers and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. I actually, I can go to the kitchen. We don't have to use paper plates. What are these real plates? Right. What are these? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're at 43 clutches right now. Yes. And that's a shit ton of eggs. Yes. What was what was the goal at the beginning? Did you, did you have a number of how many you plan on putting together? Did well, you come? Things have changed a little up? bit for her life since the beginning of the season. Yeah, so th- so That's that true. was that was kind of the thing. Um, so I was originally hoping that my my school principal is right there. Oh, where? Right there in the blonde hair. Right here. Yeah, in the black shorts. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. It is. I'm sorry. I'm, go ahead. Back to your. Yeah. What was I talking we about? We were talking about. You. <laughs> Segway. We're Jay looked up at his boss is standing there. I know. Like, <laughs> uh, we're talking about your season changing because I was oh, wondering yeah, yeah. how close so, you got to your goal. So I w- originally this was about my goal, and then um, I got a new job and stopped pairing in February um, because I knew I was going to be working a lot and wasn't going to have a whole lot of time for stuff. But apparently everything that I paired up until that point decided to go. And um, That's how it goes. without I've, really trying, I ended up Owen, with a lot of animals. I mean, Owen McIntyre one year was like, he put a ton of stuff together with thought that not everything would go. Yeah, and then, it and all then went. everything went. Are, are you producing enough rodents to feed everything? Uh, no. I didn't think so. No. So my, my carpets are all unfrozen. My um, hog noses are all unfrozen. Um, blackheads because they'll eat anything. Blackheads will eat, yeah, they they do frozen. Um, and then ball pythons, I mostly produce enough for them. Um, it's really the ASFs that I make that make the difference for me because yeah. I get, they're just so much more space efficient. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to get as many as them onto frozen as I can because it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot of feeders right now. Yeah, I bet. It's just ball pythons aren't paying the butt. They are. <laughs> <laughs> Hognose can hog be pretty, so, so, pretty yeah. difficult as babies, too. Um, the hognoses this this year have been pretty good for me. They've generally been really good eaters. I only have maybe like a handful that still haven't quite gotten it together. Yeah, there, there are several snake species that I've just not gotten or bred because I was like, I don't want to do that. That's why I got rid of that children's python, even though she was a bitch. That was one reason. But I'd wanted to breed children's pythons, and I was like, but they're so small, and they want to eat lizards, and they don't always want to eat rodents. Yeah. And, I don't want to do that. And hog noses, I've known like they can be a pain in the butt. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. It's one of the reasons I I won't. I haven't got a lot of like the import stuff like that. Calabar's burrowing uh, boas. Mm-hmm. They're not a python. They're a boa. But uh, <coughs> they're wild caught for the most part, and they don't want to eat frozen. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So with the hog noses, I I want them to have a lot of meals and a lot of history built up. Yeah. Before I'll sell them because I just I want to make sure that people are getting you know animals that yeah, will actually eat for them. I, I had someone at the shop yesterday. Um, and they do high-end leopard geckos, like the black uh, drag, black diamond, whatever they're, I don't know. They're like two, $2,000 plus. But he's like, we don't let them go till they're six months old. Yeah. He's like, A, because you don't know what they're going to look like, for sure. Yeah. And that, def- like that affects their pricing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but he's like, but yeah, we want them to be, you know, when 
when they're paying this much for a leopard uh, for a uh, yeah, these are leopard geckos, not not um, not crested. They're leopards. When they're paying this much for a leopard gecko, we want to make sure it's healthy and it's yep. eating and it's established and. Well, it's like I was talking to you earlier. We're talking you, you sell snakes. And I said you've done a pretty yeah. good job. And what's you've only been doing this for three years. Yeah, now? this is my this has been my third season. So but you started when we started. Yeah, but you've built a really good name for yourself in three years. And we said, you know, it, it doesn't take much to ruin that name. So if you start selling hog noses right away and they start dying, oh, people, I know. And it'd be crazy how much you've done, and one or two things yep. could ruin it. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm trying to be very cognizant of that, and you know, just I I want people to be successful. It's yeah. you know it's. I want animals to be successful. I don't want, you know, to be making things that aren't going to thrive. Well, what drives me nuts with that is, is when I see uh, some of these like big name guys who've been doing it for thirty years, and they've gotten a bad rep now. Like they do some, but yeah, they yeah. still can sell stuff because of their name they made thirty years ago. I'm like, but you could have one person now who's gotten into it, who's doing a great job, mess one thing up, maybe not even their fault, yep. and the internet will like just ruin. That, them. I was gonna say that rumor mill, man. It's insane. It can be brutal. And then you, you know. It ends up posted in one of the Facebook groups, and then you have all these people jumping on who've got, like, two snakes and no mm-hmm. experience, and they're wanting to say, you know, I really like my voice right now with it being it's all messed nice, up. Nice yeah. and sultry. Yeah. Is that, it is yeah. sultry. Um, it's going to keep you sick from now yeah, on. <laughs> so I'm, so my wife He's already doing a good job of that himself. So. <laughs> That's That's true. <laughs> I woke up two mornings ago, and I'm like, dry, I'm, I looked at Rachel, and I was like, my throat's sore. I hate that feeling. And I'm like, I hate that beginning feeling where you can feel it sort of like, oh, no, shit, this is going to turn into something. Mm-hmm. So and I'm you like, can't stop right. it. Yep. So I COVID tested today, and I COVID tested that evening. I COVID tested yesterday twice. Still nothing. Still negative. It's, it's the invisible COVID. Mm-hmm. Man, I, it's, I'm just, yeah, it's getting old. It's not monkey pox. <laughs> I'm not breaking out. So. <laughs> you got the monkey pox. You were yeah. playing with groundhogs? Yeah. Or prairie dogs? Prairie yeah, dogs. something. <laughs> uh, so what was the big thing this year that you, well, I guess things haven't hatched, but what was yeah. the thing that you were most excited about, the pairing that you were like, oh, thank God that worked out? So I had a couple of uh, of animals where I hit just really, really crazy odds and got some amazing things. And so so that would be my GHI dream sickle that I made. Um, really was pleased with that one. Uh, the fact that I made brettles at all, I was That's like awesome to me. In, like, in Texas, like yeah. I was, I was freaked out about it, and so that that one was like, I was really, really happy to have yeah. hit those. I've got a female, and I have no plans of ever breeding her, just because I don't, yeah. I don't know if I could do, like I don't know if I can do it. How yeah. many babies did you get? Twenty three. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a joint clutch with Jason Royer, and it's it's his animals, and I bred them for him. Are they just normals? Or are they stonewashed? Uh, so it's a it's a normal female and a G-stripe male. Okay. Um. So yeah, so pretty basic stuff. Stonewash hypos. I have I'm, one. I'm not a f- super fan of stonewash, but when you add hypo to yep. it, oh man, yeah. it's like the yellow becomes almost lime green on them. Oh, they're inc- they're incredibly beautiful. So yeah. I have a female I'm growing up that's a stonewash that's hypo. Awesome. I have a male that's a hypo het stonewash. Um, that'd be that'd be yeah. awesome. Pair. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are pretty snakes. For you know, I, I it still it amazes me that brettles are not more popular, just because naturally their natural color is. They're red, like, and they're and they're so they're mild personality-wise yeah, compared yeah. to other carpets. Like these babies that I have right now, like so my jungles would like just light you up nonstop as babies. These guys, I don't even think I've taken a bite from one yet. I don't handle my female that often. I need to, and I want to. I just don't get up there to handle it. Yeah. Her. But every time I do, she huffs and puffs, and I get her out, and she's fine. She's yeah. little, she's like head shy, and that's my fault for not handling her. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't struck at me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I definitely like I said that children's python that I couldn't walk by the cage without hitting the side of the cage for. I think I had it for like nine years and they hated me. <laughs> so, but you know, brettles are just, and then like I said, anybody out there has never looked, look up Stonewash Hypo Brettles and it's yeah. 
call. They're incredible. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bright red and almost like yep. lime. Nick Mutton posted one recently. I he think he just had uh, diamonds. Someone told me he had diamonds. Yeah, he he made diamonds. Yeah, I think Robert told me he had diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one that you have to like get super cold and. Diamonds scare me. Do they? Yeah, because that's. I mean, you're getting in. You're getting like in. The, the, for yeah. the 40s for yeah. those and that's well, and it feels weird for someone like you yeah. who's done jungles and it, and it seems like they should do the same and they don't, they don't. at all they're not the same no. state that's pretty oh Isn't yeah that cool? hypo so much yeah. yeah like i said it's almost like lime green on the stripes that yeah. i think yeah i like that yeah yeah but uh so you got yeah so i got so i got the brattles um and that was pretty amazing um, I hit crazy, crazy odds and got an Enchi Fire Cypress Clown um, in a pairing that also had Spider and Pastel and all this other stuff in it. And I dodged that dodged and, the hit the <laughs> and hit the <laughs> what I it wanted. Out, like, and Thank God it's no Spider. <laughs> I, I saw somebody a few weeks ago that posted they had a six, eggs cl six egg clutch, four eggs went bad, and the two eggs that hatched were like the five genes it wow. hit all of them in both eggs and i'm like geez that's lily over at no drama long was telling me she had i think it was a clutch of six eggs and all five were like five of the six were pied and it was like a hit i think it was like hits to each other and like five were pied it was like amazing it's odds just sometimes the odds yep. well, that's why like i'm not a big fan of i'm not a big fan of breeding something uh that's a possible hit because i hate not knowing mm -hmm. because sometimes you're like oh i didn't get any of this so it obviously isn't but yeah. the odds could just not give it to you right? I've, I've had a couple of pos hats prove on me this year and it has been the most amazing thing ever yeah yeah uh, it now becomes a far more expensive snake and yes. better snake in your collection overnight absolutely yes yeah you get, it gets a new label or a new tag <laughs> yeah. possible goes away yep. it is now a new snake and it's a hero i've got None. i've got two head sunsets that we're hopefully prove out Ooh, next year i hope so well i had Two females and a male, and the male just up and died one day. Oh man! Um, so uh, we gotta find. I've actually already found another male. I just gotta make it happen. Go check uh, out Matt and Kayla. They uh, they have got a lot of sunset stuff. Do they? Yep. Let's go back there. Um, Yeti has some stuff. Oh cool. Um, but yeah, they're uh, they'll be ready next year. So that'll be fun to for Rachel to Absolutely. prove out. I, I talk like I do anything in the snake room. <laughs> I, I went in there the other day and I'm like, when did these bearded dragons get so damn big? She was like, like a year ago, and I was like, oh. Yeah, it's the last time yeah. I looked at them, probably. Sunsets, <laughs> sunsets are darker, but they have, like, the oranges and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the rusty color. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. kind of brown out as they get older, though, yeah. but as people, people like them. A lot of all pythons do. Mm-hmm. We have just, some puzzle stuff that we'll have next year. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, stuff we got from Kevin. Nice. Um, Kevin makes nice stuff. Yeah, Kevin makes some awesome stuff. So what do you have in the incubator right now that you're hoping to hit odds on? So you're going to laugh at this one. It's Huffman? Yeah. Hypo? No. Oh, okay. No, it's Huffman Clown stuff. I like clowns. Um, cool. And so it should be it should be really cool. I saw Kind of lighten it up a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, it should. Um, and it's lesser in there as well, so that'll also lighten it up oh, well. some. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those. Those are still in there. I have one more chance um, at a uh, True Ghost... Uh, Black Exanthic. Uh, I've got another clutch of that in the incubator right now. Um, I think that's about it in terms of visual stuff that I have cooking. I don't know. I don't. I can't even keep track of what's in there, to be honest with you. But the great thing is you're at the point now, even only three years in, that you're now replacing snakes with am. things you make. I am. And I'm, yeah, I have a, a lot of that work to do this fall. Because you have a whole bunch of adult males in your table. I do. And once I have a new display coming from Freddie, and then I'm going to have a lot of adult females as well. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. So yep. That's that. That's the part that I can't wait. I've got some BOA stuff that I'm hoping to do this year that I'll be like, go, 
oh, this is my new breeder now, yeah. and I can. Although yeah. my problem is I'm not good at getting rid of stuff. No, that's you're the, not. That's the hard part. Yeah, so I would just have more of the same thing over and over again. That's why you kept rainbow bows for a year. That is true. <laughs> that's sort of yeah. right now. Yeah, hopefully yeah, they turn around. Yeah. Uh, but no, I've got boa stuff that I'm, I'm, and I'm hoping to do some breeding with one of your boas too. I've got, mm -hmm. see what we can get from that too. Oh, cool. So yeah. they've got a uh, motley boa that's really pretty. Yeah, she's she's ready whenever. I mean, she will be soon. Yeah. So I know she likes to eat and try and bite you every time you walk by her. That's why I love, I love boas. That's good. Mm -hmm. It's always tell folks, it's like, it's like the blackheads. Like a boa, yep. if a boa doesn't eat, you did something wrong. Right. It's not, you're keeping it wrong. Whereas yeah. like, the, uh, ball python doesn't eat. It's, it's, it's being Tuesday. a ball python. I don't know. <laughs> With her, I mean, you know, she's in a. There's three, two, four by two by two stacked up. And she's in the top one, and uh, you reach up to take the lock off, and wow, bam, hits there. the glass. That's so like, funny. I've got no big, matter how prepared you are, it's still. I've got a jump. big motley female, bigger in my my house. That's in a cage in my closet. That's the quarantine room, and also a snowbow on a cage above that. And both of them take turns on which day that which one wants to be a bitch. So you go in to get a shirt off the hanger and just hear it hit the glass. Like fuck you. <laughs> you know, like if you're not ready for it, it will get you. Oh yeah. I've, I, what gets me is I hate when I'm going to put a water bowl in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, it's all the way on the other side. I'm you're good. You're like, dude, I'm it's good. water. And then it just strikes and, I, and water goes everywhere. And I just clean the cage. I'm like, fuck, god damn it. I know. I'm like, no, it gets to be wet. You just get to wait for it. To I dry. usually, when I do that, I like I'll have a hook or a paper towel roll or something to like block the water bowls. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yep. So now you are full time breed. You're happy. I am so happy. Well, I've, and you just got back from Alaska. I did just get back from. I did just get back from Alaska. That's true. You also did by not yourself, get my which is awesome. Yeah, I it mean, was. It was incredible. Be a great break. It was. It was so needed. So I was just. I was so burnt out from work, that um, it was just. It was a really good chance to kind of push a reset button on my brain. And like when I say just got back, it was like two or three days ago. Yeah, I got, got back, back. I got back on Wednesday and yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. It was a quick turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> And this is your first Herp show since, it what, is last November, since, you said? No, since uh, last one was Conroe in September. Oh, yeah. Jeez. And you've done NARBC, and that's it yep. since then, right? I haven't, I haven't vended since last, since last fall. Yeah, now you have Sundays. Now you can be at... I have Sundays again. Uh, so now that it's your full-time job, yep. you, you try and keep a schedule? Like, get up at I'm, this time, be so, there? So I'm I'm working on it. So I have, um, I have kind of... I don't like to have to be scheduled down to like you know doing this at 10 o'clock every day or that kind of thing yeah but i kind of have it a day of like something i'm supposed to do on each day and like a couple of main things i'm doing on that day um i would just imagine for a lot of people that are working from home the hardest part is to yes. start work yeah it is and so yeah. it's tricky especially if it's something that you've you've been doing for years mm -hmm. as a hobby yep and now it's your job you're like well it's gotta be hard to change mindset and go oh no this this has got to happen now like yeah. There's not that extra check coming in. Well, but so here's here's the thing though, when the, you don't have like your work paycheck coming in, it's a little bit different motivation. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're like, Come on, ball pythons, I need you on the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Ma Mama needs groceries. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. She's in there in the room, like, all right, who's next? I'm who's like, next? Yeah, playing the very white. And then when your spouse <laughs> is also self-employed, we're both like, yeah, yeah. That's that's a big jump, and I know that's a, for most people, it's a huge. A huge undertaking, but the problem is also most people don't put a collection together the way you've put a collection well, together. Well, and I, I, I'm also lucky, you know, I have a spouse with a really good job, and so we're not like yeah. relying on this to eat. Yeah. Um, but thank you. But you've also done a good job of implementing yourself into the hobby and making the right connections with the right people, so that your collection grows the way it should. You're not. I, I've tried. Yeah. yeah. Which I think well, is. Look, we've had the talk. Her and I've talked about it before that you know Chris, 
Eaton took a liking mm-hmm. to her immedi- immediately and, uh, you know, really helped yeah, talk, no, we, we became Yeah, and we be, we became buddies pretty fast. Yeah. And, and, Which yeah. is such an like an odd couple. That's a great TV it show. It is. A, it's a weird... I don't know how we're friends. <laughs> right. Like, we're... <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense either. on paper, but um, yeah. yeah. That's because <laughs> podcast Chris and real life Chris. Yeah, are, real Chris is a great yeah. person. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to ruin his street cred that's here. True. Yeah. But, uh, that's true. Chris but no, he's, he's, a he's actually a super Chris is nice an person. asshole. Stop that. He's an asshole. <laughs> and, uh, you, should, you should listen to him. But he's, he's a, but he's our asshole. He is right. our asshole. You know. Right. Just needs to move on down here and be our asshole in Texas. Yeah. He'll be here next month. He will. Oh, that's why he's gonna be at Arlington, right? Yeah. So it's just I don't know. It's. The your collection. I'm, I remember when I first met you was, I think it was Conroe. Yeah. And it was at the very beginning. Yep. And I had like one sad little display, and you yeah. were making fun of me. Because I sat, I sat next to you at the Mexican restaurant. We went to eat, and I oh, had that's no right. idea who you were. Right. You you invited me on your show, and I had yeah. no idea who I was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's all, so much can happen if done correctly. You see, so many people in the hobby that are getting out of it now, who have been in the same time, and their collection is nothing. Like that, it's like 15 pastels and a pie. And they're like, yeah. why am I not making it? With that said, I've also seen people, we saw recently some other people that we know that were like, I just got to take a break. Yeah. And they're getting rid of collections. It's yeah. a, it's, it's a, it's weird, a weird time right now. There's there's a whole lot of transition happening right now in yeah, the hobby. There is. Yeah, I'm starting to notice that a lot of the getting out is, it's all over the place while people are getting rid of mm-hmm. collections now. Whereas in the past, it was just, I'm not making money, let me get out of it. Yeah. But now it's, it's all over the place. You're seeing a lot of... Um, a lot of people who got in during COVID, yeah. and you know, we're two years in and realizing, oh, this is work. It's and it's, we're not making anything back yet. No. And well, yeah. How many rodents do you go through in a week? A lot. <laughs> so I breed my own, so I don't really count how many I'm going through. But you just go. I need twenty. I just go, go and grab and whatever I have and toss them in things. But like, it's a lot. I tried to calculate out what I would be doing if I, if, if I you know, started buying rodents instead of making them. They're expensive. It would have been like 3000 a month. And yeah. so that was not going to be really Again, viable. Again, I'm, I'm throwing this out there. If yeah. anybody knows a rodent person that wants to sponsor a podcast, I definitely need a rodent sponsor so I can get a discount on some rodents. Uh-huh. Just, just putting it out in the universe. They're expensive. God, and it, it just amazes me now when I buy rodents. Like they, I, I, I know they could not have been this expensive before or else I would not have been buying as many as I want to buy now. So yeah. I'll try to put it in the same kind of order I remember doing for years. I'm like, I, I can't afford that right now. That's no. insane. No. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm happy when I when I can make my uh, rodent food bill <laughs> every few months when I have to buy rodent food. You should go in there and it's grab a, a whole thing of, like, fuzzies. Like, oh, look at these dollar bills. Yep. <laughs> like, I can afford groceries because I fed these things. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome. I'm glad you came yeah, on. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm super excited about you seeing what you do over the next year or so now. That thank you so it's much. Like, yeah. Focus is strictly I'm, I'm, I'm working on the focus and, and kind of narrowing down a few things. Because that's the tricky part be good. is trying to figure out what direction you want to go yep. in with stuff. Yep. Like, I cast a wide net, and so I'm hoping to narrow it down just a little. Well, and, uh, you pretty much do it all on your own because your I husband's do. not really a reptile guy, nope. and your kids are kind of... My daughter has su- started helping yeah, me, she, which is wonderful. He's not a reptile good. guy, but he's supportive. He is, super, he is incredibly yeah. supportive. He, he helped me carry two giant racks upstairs with no complaint. It was hot. <laughs> Robert is is yeah, being yep. Okay, Summoned. Oh, I gotta go. Go, go right. do work. Thanks, yep, Corey. I should, I should do the same. Bye. Yep, Corey. So thanks for coming on. Yep, thank uh, you. Good luck over the next year. Good luck today. Yay, Although you've already so had much. good luck today. Yeah. So. All, right. All right. Bye. 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 
And we're back here at the Bryan College Station Herps Reptile Show, and we have Joe and Brittany from Repticulture. How's it going, guys? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. So tell us about y'all. Y'all have a, a pet store now in, it's in Friendswood? Friendswood. Yes, sir. Because it's like right on the border of. Yeah, it's pretty close to the border of Alvin. Yeah. So in Friendswood, uh, give us a little rundown on how that came to be. Uh, basically, we both found that we had a passion in reptiles and kind of putting together our own collection and uh, kind of putting some breeding projects together for several different species and uh, things that we found that we loved. And we kind of turned that into a business, um, kind of probably started out just as a way to, you know, you know, we're, hey, look, we're not the crazy people. We actually have a, a goal in mind. We're going to have a business, right? Um, so, yeah, we just started looking for a location. COVID kind of brought down the, the price of all the real estate in the area. Um, yeah. Raised the prices of a lot of things we didn't count for. Yes. But you know how that goes. It, but, did, uh, not, it did not lower, like, housing. Housing is still. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and then just the cost of everything and trying to get products and, you know, just dealing with everything. Like, everyone's dealing with supply chain issues. Anything electronic is impossible to get. You'd think I'd know better being, you know, a construction project manager doing that for a living and having that same problem every day, you know, yeah. but why not make it a little bit more fun? But, <laughs> but we found a cool spot. Uh, we're right over by Friends Pub in Friendswood. It's kind of a little infamous pub in Friendswood uh, that everyone pretty much knows. And Because of COVID. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that and many other things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and so I'll we have a cool find out little about spot. That later. Yeah. Uh, about 1,200 square foot showroom. Uh, we have a lot of animals on display. We do a lot of like birthday parties and uh, educational events, things like that. So we like to keep animals there for you to be able to come in and see. Um, we try not to keep you know too many animals on hand. Try to focus more on your supplies and you know kind of just taking care of the animals that you have. We can source animals. We do obviously a lot of shows. Work with a lot of breeders. Uh, so, you know, we try to tell customers that a lot. People come in and sometimes they're like, well, you see a lot of things here and I, I can't buy them. I'm like, well, let us know what you're looking for. We'll find it. You know, it doesn't do good for me to go buy 20 animals guessing and then you yeah. want something completely different. You yeah, know? you don't want to pile up crested geckos and no one buys them. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we try to keep it kind of lighter, uh, you know, kind of a similar style to like BioDude um, as far as, you know, not having too many animals in the shop. And uh, just like I said, sourcing or working with breeders. And, and we have our own projects going on. We're producing ball pythons. Pita, we're producing crested vegan, geckos. Uh, we've been producing leopard geckos. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Sean is super loud. <laughs> because he's on a PA. Yes, that's true. There we go. All right. So just doing a little bit of breeding of our own uh, just kind of helps supply the shop with a little bit of inventory and stock and just kind of having fun. Nothing too crazy. Something for the kids. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, my son, I saw, like, the first time at the show, uh, they were, you know, we're, we're dragging them to all these shows, and it's like we're bringing home animals all the time, and it's like the kids are the adults in the situation. They're like, really, another animal? It's like, shut up, you're nine. What do you know? <laughs> you, know but you don't we, know what money is. <laughs> so we go to these vendor shows, and finally, Mason, my middle son, he walks up to this table and picks up this Yuma King steak, and he's just, like, locked in on this Yuma King snake. And I was like, you like that, son? He's like, yeah, I want this snake. I'm like, that's weird. You're usually yelling at me for buying snakes, but all right. So we bought it for him, and we ended up securing a pair. And uh, so that's going to be his breeding project. He wants to breed. He calls him King Yuma. So nice. Pretty cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's cool to see the kids take interest so in it. The Yuma King snake is that like an Arizona Mountain King with the red and black and? No, it's just a it's just a locale. Uh, it's a from I, Yuma, Arizona area. Yeah, so it looks right. a lot like the desert it kind of looks like a chain have you seen a chain mm -hmm. it yeah. just has less of the white it's, it's like the white stays kind of on the side and then it gets a little bit more black over here uh, okay almost an mbk look I'm with sorry. a little bit of gotcha it's it's like a oh. yeah 
But when we found the one and then he decided he wanted to breed them, we didn't know, I guess, that they were, I wouldn't say rare, but they're not super common. Not a lot of people work with them. Yeah. Uh, you don't find them around as much. Well, we the found the fact that I love colubrids and then 25 to 30 shows a year and didn't know that that was a thing, that tells me they must be kind of rare. Exactly. A lot of the older guys have said that, you know, they used to work with them, but they're not really around anymore. So I had a hunt for the pair for probably a good six months. Um, who'd, yeah. who'd you get, end up getting them from? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was a guy in Mississippi, I believe. Yeah, I was just curious. So, hmm. so yeah, they're still babies, but it's exciting. We'll see. That'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. So, what? How long have y'all been keeping before you decided? Oh, we're gonna just go ahead and open a pet store. And so, I've been keeping most of my life. The first thing I kept at probably like seven, eight years old. My mom was like just anti snakes, but I was able to talk her in and letting me keep literally a green anole, you know, and that was like one of my first reptiles. And she'd take me to the pet store every week to buy crickets and this little thing. I mean, it, it became so used to us as a kid that, I mean, it would just go everywhere I go in my pocket. Like it would just stay on me. And one time we were at a park swinging and lost it. And we stayed out there, you know, just looking for hours trying to find this lizard, you know, just <laughs> devastated. It's like in the grass, like never going to find this lizard. Um, and then it evolved to, I eventually had uh, bearded dragons kept bearded dragons probably since i was like 12 13 um a couple ball pythons uh, just a little bit but i had basically i was down to like the two long-standing bearded dragons i had they both lived like well over 10 years uh they were both kind of on their way out and passed like right at the time that me and her started dating um right about five years ago now yeah and um so then we just kind of both started fueling our passion for reptiles and kind of putting a collection together and kind of just caught on quick. At first it was just kind of a hobbyist thing and then we decided we wanted to breed and started, you know, putting projects together and that's when we kind of started looking into, you know, some options, possibly opening a shop. Where we were at just kind of had a demand for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have that, that kind of like the triangle, they call it, of Alvin, Pearland, and Friendswood and there just really isn't anything in that area. You know, you're either going out to Webster or to, uh, down to League City. So it was just kind of set up well for it. We are kind of lucky in Texas with, like, the amount of reptile-based pet stores. Yeah. And then, like, the, the Herp shows really puts us in a lot of touch with, with a lot of good breeders, too. Well, where you and I live, it's, if we want rats, even to get to them, it's 30 minutes. It's true. And they're All the closest ones now. Yeah. It was 40, 40 minutes to go to the other one that's just a little farther past them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's still our, where we live is very underserved. Or, like, if you want to go, like, to the rodent shop, that's an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. Well, in yeah. Alvin, mm -hmm. reptiles are illegal. Can't have them. So Shh, shh, don't, tell me, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> it's funny. We have people that come in from, like, the city of Alvin, like, buying stuff for their reptiles, you know. It's, like, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of like I always explain it to people. It's like your uh, neighborhoods, you know. They always put, like, everything they can in the code, and half of it they don't enforce. Like, a lot of neighborhoods, if you read in the oh. deed restrictions, it's like, you can't have a garage sale. You right. know? But, yeah. like, they do, and they don't enforce it until that one time you're out of line, and they're like, well, it actually says right here, you know, you can't yes. have this garage sale. So one of those things out of sight out of mind uh but i did reach out to local uh city authorities my family uh mainly my stepdad his his entire side of the family the harrises i mean they've been there forever um and so i felt like i had a little bit of pull in the town um my grandmother knows a lot of people and i tried reaching out just kind of stir the pot on it like look i want to open a business you know my family's been here forever uh let's bring this to alvin let's just change the code a little bit work them kind of like you talked about with manville mm -hmm. and no he, they were just completely closed door yeah manville was willing to like yeah manville was like tell us what you need our ordinances to say oh that's incredible yeah no friends with i mean uh, alvin was complete opposite i mean they just that doesn't surprise me yeah. his answer to me i mean he sent me an email it just basically i mean 
it would have been standards what you'd expect to read. I, look, I've been, I've been here a year. I've been in the uh, Facebook group for that town for about a year. And just being in that Facebook group alone tells me they're not changing anything. Yeah. No. Unless you want to build a chicken restaurant, and then they'll all bitch about it when you build it. <laughs> or a car wash. Or a car wash. Those are the two things. That yeah, somebody the other day posted in the Talk of Alvin group and was like, uh, would anybody here love it if we opened a really good coffee shop, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, yeah, we already have a There's really already good one there. So James goes, I think you should open a coffee shop that has really good pizza dough with really good toppings and some other really good Italian food, but no coffee. <laughs> I don't think they found it as funny. I don't think they did when I typed it to them. But yeah, I just love that that group. Like, if you're if you're ever wondering if you should move somewhere, join the local group for that town. Oh, yeah. Watch okay. it for a week and then go, yes or no. Like, yeah. you'll, you'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. Well, talk of Mabel's not much better. I promise. It can't be much worse. It's not. No. Talk, <laughs> no. Well, what sucks like it, it, there really is. So one thing. So I also keep fish, and there are a million fish stores in the area. But yes. very few reptiles. And, like, so you get to the other side of us when you go towards, like, uh, Sugarland and all. There's nothing on that side, really. And a lot of the stuff is up, like, into Houston or, like, around it on, on the northern side. So it's nice to have something down that close. And That's I've been in there. It's, it's, it's a really nice shop. You have a lot of stuff. It's really nice. Yep. A lot of really cool animals. they got some cool cages in there that somebody built for them. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's some cool cages, I guess. I, I know a guy if you're looking for one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just saw where the store where I bought my first snake in El Paso. Um, they posted all their aquariums online. They're like, we're getting rid of fish. We're oh. doing strictly reptiles. Awesome. Yeah, that was one thing I did not want to do. Nothing aquatic. I yeah. did not want to have to deal with water changes and nope. pH balances. And do you guys do axolotls, though? Nope. Nope. <laughs> We've been tempted to. I had Jared Dole actually trying to sell me some last year. Water is tricky. Yeah, it's yeah. it's tricky. It's a lot of work, and it's just one of those things that there's no... There's no room for error. You know yeah, I mean? and the moment it fucks up and it busts in your store, and then you have to clean up water all over your store. It raises your insurance. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it really yeah, does. Yeah. It's, okay. It's something that, hey, yeah. I, I, I got to go over real quick. Yeah. I'll be right back. Go sell. We're good. But, Whoa. yeah, we've talked about doing, like, if I did some axolotls in some type of, like, shallow water tanks, quick little, you know, treat them like a goldfish where you're treating yeah. the water often type of thing. Like betas and all. But when you do full setups, yeah, it's just a lot. Even on your own personal time, keeping them at the house, but much less trying to do them on a commercial level. On a commercial level with, with filtering. Because like, well, people go into the, some of these shops and, the, and they want to bash them for not having, like, gravel and all the stuff you would have in your tank at home. And you're like, because then you can't keep it clean. That's, that's the... You would go in and be pissed off about their tank being dirty because there's so much shit in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and this isn't their long-term home. Like. Yeah. Well, that's like people come to a show and they see a snake in a deli cup. They go, y'all keep these in there? N- no. Yeah, they're just stacked all in my living room. That's how I do it. Or, I mean, I guess it's better than the one who goes, you have how many snakes? Do you just let them roam around your house? <laughs> yep. Yep, I do. All in a pile right now. <laughs> yeah, we struggle that at the shop, too, you know, because we do bioactive on everything, and, you know, you want to build these nice, lush, bioactive enclosures, and you have all the supplies to do so, but then you get done, and you're like, well, where's the animal? And you can't see them. Can't so see there's a balance to that, too. Like, we, we ended up having to set up a small little rack for, like, some of the baby snakes and leopard geckos and stuff because you're just constantly digging through a bioactive. Like, I swear it's in here, and it's really pretty. Like, let me find it for you, you know? So do you find that tricky for, like, uh, biosecurity? Like, if you have animals coming in and out of the shop and putting new animals in a cage... Where there were previous animals, how, how do y'all handle that? Yeah, it can be. Um, the, the main thing with that is, like, we try to source from local breeders and work with people we know and, you know, not rotate a ton of animals, and that helps. But one of the things that we tend to do now is just try to keep 
the animals that we have available um, in like a rack setup. So something that's just easier to easier, to, like you said, to kind of keep clean, more simple. Yeah. You can view the animal, um, you know, it still has all of its essential care, but you're not having to worry about. Easier to keep it disinfected because, like you said, it'd be, you know, God forbid you were to get mites or something oh. in a bioactive. I mean, you're that's one reason I kind of haven't done bioactive in my house because, I mean, I just got, I moved when I moved to Texas, I got mites. I told you, and I just finally got rid of them, and I couldn't imagine if I would have had to throw out all of the bioactive shit and start over again and. Yeah, it can definitely be a pain. And, you know, there's alternatives to that. I've heard about, like, predator mites. You've probably heard about them. That, just I've also seen people take the, um, the, and I use them on my racks on the sides, not in the tubs, but the no-pest strips. Yeah, I've heard I'll about that. I'll cut them, but I've seen people just chunk them into the tank, and I'm like, I don't really want my snake crawling around on poison. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that would work well in the bioactives either because you have your bugs. In yeah, all your ice pods are done. Exactly, yeah. That'd be tough. But the good news is, I mean, it's not something, I don't want to say it can't happen, or, you know, it's less likely to happen, but it's not something that you hear about happening often. Well, if you're careful with what you bring. That, again, that's the great thing about if you are sourcing stuff, the, the herp shows are a great way to do that because you can get in touch with an actual breeder who had that from their house to you. Right. It's not going through 15 hands. Exactly, yeah. Right? You're not importing them. And, and that's what we try to import very little animals. I mean, there are some animals. I mean, if you're wanting certain species of frogs, if you're looking for, you know, certain types of lizards and things, there's there's going to always be some importing. You know, yeah. we, we try to source everything we can locally uh, through breeders we know, you know, support the Herps family. Um, you know, that's obviously the, the primary goal. But then, like you said, too, that comes with the extra that comes with, hey, this snake was hatched on 729. It was hatched over here by my friends. At yeah, some people really like birthdays. Have you ever found out with people you sell oh, to? Absolutely. Yes. They, they the want to be able to celebrate the birthday. Oh, I they mean, love it's, any it's, details that you can give them. They they just eat that up, which I do too. Yeah. So if the hatch cards have become a big thing. Um, so we try to get those and just like feeding regimens. And they, they love all the details. I always love the, oh, when's the last time this ate? I don't know, a week ago, two weeks ago? What, was it on Wednesday? Too? Like, it, whenever you want to feed it. Take it home, let it sit for a couple of days, and then feed it. You're fine. But, yeah, like crested geckos is a perfect example of that. You know, you can take a crested gecko on average, and you can find them at shows for $40, $50 all day long. You, you take a crested gecko with lineage, and that crested gecko, you know, can be $250, $300. Oh, yeah. and, and simply that lineage is just knowing, you know, when it was born, where its parents came from, you know, being able to track that back. And it's amazing, you know, how far that goes. But if you have an investment and you're looking to breed and, you know, you're putting a future into that, that's what those people want to see. You know, yeah. your hobbyist that's walking through the show, hey, I want a crested gecko. Not always, but you, you do see that too. Like, you know, that's something that me and Brittany have always been fond of is, you know, when you can tell us a story about the animal or, you know, that, that always goes a long way. Like, we brought a Brazilian rainbow boa uh, from Lily at No Drama Llama. And, like, yeah. you know, it, it, she brought them that day and, like, she had just had the babies and they were all eating and thriving and just, like, the excitement she had about it. And they were her personal pets and a project she'd been waiting on. That was for a great, long that time. was those head hypos that she had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we have a, be a female. beautiful female from her. And, uh, you know, just that passion. And that, that's what really, you know, does it for us that we really enjoy. That's what we try to, you know, portray to the shop and, you know, bring forward by supporting that. And Do you all find that most of your business is uh, new new pet owners or reptile people who are coming there for their next reptile? Or I mean, I know supplies are probably, or at least feeders are probably a big thing. But Feeders, um, we do get a lot of first. Uh, so that's why we try to carry the lower maintenance things, just not your... Uh, not a whole lot of advanced species. Yeah. Um, I don't do chameleons in the store. Um, That's why I wish more people would do things like uh, like false chameleons or like the giant anoles. Yes. Because they would fill the same niche for a customer, but they're an anole. They're, they're almost bulletproof compared to a chameleon, which takes time. And exactly. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's a balance. Um, I say we definitely get more of your, you know, first-time pet owners, family, hobbyists, that type of thing. And that just comes with the territory. You know, people who are advanced hobbyists, people who, um, you know, attend shows and, and uh, vend shows, they have their connections. They know who to reach out to. They yeah. don't, they're not walking into a pet store typically unless it's, you know, supporting us, um, you know, because we're part of the Herbs family or they're coming to pick up something that they didn't have or needed by, nearby or maybe yeah. pick some rats up. But, you know, generally they know where to source animals from. So at the shop, we definitely get a lot more of your, you know, your first-time buyers, your families. Um. Well, and doing the birthday parties, too, we get a lot of exposure for that. And the parents see the kids interacting and excitement. And so next thing you know, they're coming in because we were at so-and-so's birthday party, and now we need a bearded dragon or a leopard gecko. So. Well, and I guess you also need the skill, the, a big skill that I find that uh, general pet stores, we'll go large chain pet stores, even though I've worked for one, but finding a, an actual, like, animal person working in the animal part of a big chain right? pet yeah. store is probably it's very far and few between but is the ability to redirect because i imagine that happens a lot you have someone come in with an idea in their head i want this animal because they saw it somewhere on tv a person and i want this animal and you know in your heart that is not the animal they need so i imagine y'all have to redirect people sometimes go you know that's great but like they go to the zoo and they see giant tortoises i want a giant tortoise here's a greek tortoise i like, just drop all of the I don't want to call them cons, but, you know, those things that you have to watch out. Well, did you know that it gets to be 150 pounds, and it can tear through your wall, and it will break down your fence? Are you prepared for that? Most yeah. of the time, the answer is no. <laughs> Just being transparent with them, for sure. And sometimes that's going to cost you the sell, you know. Sean you, uh, Gray walking by, looking all you, creepy. Um, you know, like, we started, we carried cicadas for a little while. We had a lot of people coming in looking for them, and that's something where I, I have nothing against cicadas. I love them. They're amazing. They're tortoises. great in the right situation. And, and I think that the... The problem with you know them being overpopulated, people not wanting adults, I think that's somewhat exaggerated, and, and I think a problem is a lot of the big rescues are selling them for profit, um, because I, every breeder I talk to is like, I'd love to have some more adults, yeah. you know. So I think some of that is exaggerated, but at the end of the day, like she said, the the general audience that comes in my shop aren't really the people that understand the full extent of what a sulcata is going to be. Well, like I have big sulcatas, but they're still living in. Welcome back, Robert. Mm -hmm. They're still living in Louisiana where there's a big outdoor pen because where we live, if it's a neighborhood built in the last 10 years, the yard is the size of this table, and it is not made for 150-pound sulcata in it. Right. Or, but, I mean, dig under your house, destroy yeah. pipes, digging out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the but consequences they, are endless. They can get that same feeling in a Greek or a Russian or even a red foot. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a red foot gets a little bigger, but not yeah. that much. Exactly. And yeah. red foot, I like the red foots because the they're, they're pretty. Yeah. Their they, personality is awesome. They eat anything. Yeah. Yes. You know? No, they're like, they're oh, you, would you like this piece of chicken? Sure. Here you go. I mean. <laughs> so I think it's important for pet stores to, you know, it, it's great for, like, a store to, the, the dollar is not the ultimate thing, right? Uh, yes, you need to make money because it's a business. I get that. But you're doing it responsibly, trying to redirect. And you have alternatives. It's not just, no, you don't need that. Yes. But here's something you can do. Right. It'll it'll make this it'll get the same itch. You're good. And a lot of times, like she said, it's it's just suggesting to them and explaining the full extent. Because I struggle with telling people no. Like I had a situation, right, where a guy came in one time and he was like 16, 17 years old, uh, very intelligent. You could tell the kid did his research and he wanted a retic. And you know, he told me, he's like, I've done research, a lot of people tell me like this is not a great first snake, you know, that I shouldn't get this a first snake. I'm like, you know, I struggle with that. I said, because I'm the guy who 
has always kind of done things the hard way and not always gone in the right order. And it's like, you know, it, but I'm going to do the research and I'm going to do it right. So and that's the difference. It's hard for me to tell you, no, you have to go own a ball python, a snake you have no interest in for about five years. And then you're qualified to own this retake. If you're willing to go and do the research and, and set up the cage properly, me selling you a baby retake and you have the time with that retake to grow. Yes. I don't think there's a problem with that. I agree. But. I was up front with him. I showed him that you reach in the enclosure, it's gonna, it's going to bite you, even as a little baby. You know, you, you just have to explain what all they're in they're in store for. Yeah. You know? um, but everybody has their own opinion. We actually had a personal friend reach out to us that knew the person and was like, you know, this this was sold to him, and I don't know if that was the best decision. And I explained to him, you know, kind of where I lied on it. I was like, I know people have their beliefs. I said, but you know, it's just something that I personally, I don't feel it's my job to tell somebody no. You know. Um, if they have an adult there that's wanting to buy the snake, they, yeah. they know them, you know, they're smart enough to do the research, you know, they, they can obtain the right license to have the snake, then, you know, that's really the key. Um, but just informing them, we, the same thing happens with blood pythons. We were at uh, the last show and I had a blood python that this, this lady really wanted to buy. She's, she was younger. Uh, you could tell she didn't have a ton of experience with snakes and she's circling, she keeps coming back to this blood python and she's like, okay, I want to get it. I was like, all right, but I want to get it out and I want you to hold it. And I want you to, to be comfortable with this snake. I said, because it is a bite of your species. Um, and she was like, okay, you know, went and got the snake out, held it in my hand. I had it like facing the customer. Um, and it literally like in a gaboon viper like way, 180 <laughs> degrees turned, like bites my arm. Uh, and she just like was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, maybe not. Yeah, sometimes you, it, sometimes you want people to either get bit or see somebody getting bit yeah. and find out if they really wanted that snake. Yeah. And if they're willing, because a lot of times that will definitely scare them off. I watched last weekend at the show, Rick over there, um, somebody was looking at something, and they were like, what's the bite like? Rick just goes like this, bam, it hits him on the hand, he goes, didn't even break the skin. They were like, oh, okay, I'll take it. That's me. Uh, That's me. Yeah. But, yeah, and so the thing is, you can say, oh, a bitey snake doesn't scare me. And, like, my wife, for instance, she's handled plenty of bitey snakes. But when you... A blood python strikes in a different manner. Yes, yes. It, and it strikes with its entire body, and but you're lucky forced. to hold on to the snake. Afterwards. It leaves a bruise. Like the big ones will leave a bruise, right? Not, not just from the bite, but from the strong force behind them. Mm -hmm. So, like until you experience that, it's hard to say. Like, and so what my fear is, they take that snake home. It does that to them one time, and then they're not going to even open the enclosure again. That happens a lot, unfortunately. Exactly. And then a year later, when they're like, oh, "I don't want this anymore," it's a completely wild blood Crazy. python by yeah. this point that's starving, starving, and biting everybody. And yeah. yeah. Well, and, and so, like, so yeah, you're not you're not a person's parent in there. You're selling them an animal, but at least you've gone through everything with them. Uh, you know, that's, we talked about you not know, doing fish. So when I worked at one of the big chains, that was always my biggest problem selling fish to people, because people have it in their head what fish care is like, and it's nothing like what actual fish care is like. And they come in, they get a bowl, and they go, "I want a goldfish." Well, not in a bowl. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can put it in a bowl. You can. It's gonna die. I was like, I've done it before. It's gonna it die. Died. How long did you <laughs> have like, this fish? It lived for a long time. Like how long? Six months. They lived for like 50 years. Well, mine didn't live that long. Yeah. It's because you killed it. <laughs> they don't catch. They don't connect. I'm like, yes, I know it did not live that long. Or they'll come in. They'll they'll have the whole tank in there. Like they just bought the tank, the filter, and everything. All right, I want to get fish. No, you, you got to go set that tank? up. Yeah. Go set your tank up. Come back in like two Especially weeks. Especially with salt water. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, yeah, we'll see you in a month. It, if, and bring if a you sample, get it right. And bring a sample in so we can see. And so that's that's always so crazy. Like, I imagine when they come in your pet they they have a, it's just that they come in with that idea, and you've got to be able to present the uh, information so to them to change. I was their in mind. there what, Brittany, two weeks ago when we when I was in there, uh, yeah. and that couple came in with those kids, and he wanted a I need a I need a I need a rat, and she's like, what size? He's like, 
I don't know, like this big. <laughs> and uh, she's like, what do you feed? And he goes, uh, ball python. Maybe it's a mouse. Maybe it's a mouse that I feed. I'm not sure. And I could just see Brittany going, oh, my God. And uh, finally, she's like, just let me go get a couple of rats and a... And, and he finally, I don't even, I left. I yeah. don't know what he finally ended up getting. Uh, so it was a weaned. He ended up with a weaned. Weaned, which is exactly what you were telling him yes. he probably needed. Because yeah. you said, how big is a snake? And he was like this. And you were like, I'm pretty sure you need a weaned. I was like, well, let me look at that and see what that is. Because I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, and I get, get that, that more times than, like, should be acceptable. Yeah. And a lot of times it's it's the new, you know, owner. They bought the snake at a reptile show. And it's, you know, it's the week's up and it's time to feed. And it's, they yeah. said fuzzy mouse something, you know. Yeah trying to dial it in and um yeah we, we get that a lot more i would say more people coming in that don't really know what size they're looking for so do you ever like have them come in buy a rat go home and then come back oh, I, was, I was wrong this is way off i have to return this yes we have a few times and sometimes <laughs> it's even when it is the appropriate size like a lot of people come in like show me the snake i'm like okay this is what you need and they get home and they call it's like it's too big i'm like i promise you it's not too big yeah i had you a know? guy call me back and he's like I gave her the rat, and she's got it in her mouth, and she's like, she's getting it down. It's to its shoulders, and just, like, completely amazed that the snake was, like, taking it. I'm like, it's fine. You're like like millions of years of evolution. They're pretty good at this. Yeah, Yeah, they've got it figured out, man. Done that a few times. Well, that's what I would get when I sell baby Sambo is, what's it eat? A pinky mouse. That seems too big. It's not. They can take a pinky mouse. Yeah. It's what it ate last you week. Know, I promise it can do it this week. John Grant stood next to me for like 15 minutes talking earlier, and he was just standing there. He opened his hand, and he had a Sambo in it. And I was like, have you had that the whole time? He goes, yeah, I just kind of forgot it was there. <laughs> he brought it over to show it to you because ah. it was real pretty or something. I don't know. They all look the same to me. It's another, pretty chill. That's another great pet store. I love it. Oh, yeah. I, I want to make it up there one day to the yeah. Grant's Pet Store in Oklahoma. Me too. But Yeah, I haven't seen it either. That's you, one of my first, like, I call them designer, but our designer, like, good genetics breeders came from was uh, Grant Family. Really? Yeah. Their shop, just every time I see pictures of their shop, it just, like, you could see. And, you know, like, sometimes you see a picture of a, a pet store and you go, that smells bad. Like, just a picture, you go, it's not going to smell good. Yeah. Like his, it's, like, nice and pristine and clean. I'm like, yeah, no, that probably smells decent. It's not. Well, <laughs> so they had another pet store open there very, very close to them very soon after they opened. And uh, I followed him on Facebook, and the dude was just an idiot. Drama. He was nothing but drama. Nothing but drama all the time. Well, guess what? They already went out of business. They tried to do a GoFundMe. To save it? To keep it open. And people are like, yeah, uh, I think they raised like 10 bucks. Yeah, if you need a GoFundMe to keep your business open, then you don't need the Turns out he's from Alvin. Oh, is he really? (laughs) And he left Alvin because he had some criminal charges that he (laughs) ran away from. So what a small world, right? Isn't it funny how that works? That is crazy. But the other end of the spectrum we see a lot is they come in and they're like, um, I need a pinky mouse. Like, okay, what are you feeding? A ball python. No, you don't need a pinky <laughs> mouse. <laughs> no. Well, it's just a baby. I'm like, I don't care. No. Like, they can eat a, a fuzzy mouse at minimum, but, I, you know, a rat pup even out the, out the egg. Yeah. You know, people just don't understand. Like, no, my, our ball pythons never see a mouse. Like, yeah, the babies, right they over. never yeah. see a mouse. Yeah, we they, try to go straight to rats. The only yeah. time I, I will say, like, you get the stubborn ones that don't want to eat for something yeah. about a mouse. I don't know what it is. Yeah, Even we'll adults. ASF sometimes. So, yeah, it, uh, yeah, if you have to, go to the extreme. But, yeah, with the mouse for something, like, I get one that's just stubborn. He won't eat. Throw him a small mouse, and it's just weird. It gets him back on track, and then he'll smash a rat again. Yep. Nice. It's just funny. They've got to love ball pythons, and they're eating. That's why I had a male that someone gave me. It was eating when I got it. Then it quit eating. And then the only thing I could get it to eat were live ASFs. And then I was like, one day, after doing this for a month, I thought, I thought out small rats to feed the other ball pythons because they weren't picky. I was like, let's see if he'll take it. And he took it and he ate it. So he did that for a couple times. And then one day he took it and then didn't eat it. 
And the next week he took another one and he did eat it. I'm like, you're fucking annoying, dude. This is why you're <laughs> underweight because you can't figure this shit out. <laughs> it's all python for you. Well, that's like hognose. I always am amazed that Western hognose snakes can survive in the wild because they are the worst. Like hunters. they strike at everything. Yeah, and it's uh, I've, I've had a, like I, I've had one bite itself and start eating, and I'm like, hey, hey, hold on a minute. You can't do that. Eventually, yeah. you're going to get to the point where you're just stuck. You're in a problem there. Yeah. Like Chinese finger cuffs. No, I've had I have a female that we call the garbage disposal at the shop. Matter of fact, it's so bad that I finally had to tell them, I'm like, okay, stop. She's not allowed to be the garbage disposal anymore. She's starting to get fat. <laughs> what is she? You know? A ball bite? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. She's a hog nose. Oh. Yeah, she's a hog nose. She's a normal. She's a. Uh, uh, 100% het toffee belly and 66% het lab. So we're hoping to prove her out. But yeah, she's just a monster. She'll eat anything, including your finger, you know, if you <laughs> give it to her. But she did that one time, like bit herself, started eating herself. I'm like, that's not going to work out for you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> you lose no matter what. They are a mess. But, so uh, if someone out there wants to wants to venture into opening a pet store in this day and age, and it's horrifying, what what advice would you give them that you wish you'd have known before you opened yours? Don't. Don't. I figured that was coming. That's coming. <laughs> No, it's a lot of work, but it's rewarding. Um, I would just say just save up more than you would ever imagine. That's just it's like everybody tells you with business. You know, everything you, you can expect and plan for. Uh, you know, we expected and planned for COVID, but we didn't expect and plan for the recession to follow, you right. know, and the inflation. And it's just or always the whole uh, address thing where they split y'all out and then they wouldn't let y'all get permits delays yeah absolutely we were supposed to open like july you know and then we we end up opening in november in november uh you know so we went from being like middle of summer ready to go to kind of end of the year wrapping up that's gotta be scary it's like all right so we're gonna open here so i know we'll be start making money at this point and they're like no you won't right yeah and then of course you know all your rent all your rent is staged with a new business so it starts ramping up right about that time and so Yeah. yeah i mean it's just like all the small businesses right now it's uh it's tight out there that's People don't have a lot of money to spend. You can see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Been in the shows. You can, oh, yeah. I mean, even small things, like one of the references I've made recently is, you know, customers pick up a lot of times and ask, well, how much is this? And, you know, you tell them the price. And it'll be something now. It's like $10. And then you just see them like, oh, maybe next time. And, like, put it back down. Like, you can just see that the, the, everybody's struggling the financially. in their face. Because yeah. Like I would say also, if opening something like a reptile store, don't cheap out. Like, like set it up, the, and I don't say it has to be expensive because I've seen what JT's done with his shop and how he's built new wooden racks to hold the tanks in the way it's all recycled tanks from people. But but you got to set it up nice. Like you'll see some people that are like, a tank on a stand with a snake in it is not the same as a nice clean tank set up clean. So, so appearance is a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's probably the biggest comment we get. You know, um, is. Just the cleanliness, you know, keeping the tanks clean. That's what we, you know, we always on shop. <laughs> trying yeah. to get them to do. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, it takes, yeah. it, people don't realize that, you know, I'll go through in the morning, like right at the opening time, and I'll change every water bowl in there, you know, and then every, that's just a cue for every lizard and every snake to go jump in that water bowl, yeah. you know, and then it's like, then somebody comes in and they're like, oh, that water bowl's dirty. I'm like, changed it 14 minutes ago. You know, it's just like, yep. that's part of owning a reptile. So it's never going to be perfect. You know, every time I walk in there, I'm always just like, freaking out about every little thing you see you well, know what I mean? and it's hard and, and i know robert has this issue with being a small business owner everyone is a critic and you can't you can't completely say well fuck it i don't care what people say all it takes is that one photo man all yeah on dude some, i some viral group or spun the wrong way not tell you how much i have become or have come to hate hey man you should do this hey man you should do this hey man you, you know for my close friends like james and john you guys it's different but i'll just get like random people hey man you should build this someone who has no idea what you have or so what's sometimes going on i'll be like all right let's work that out uh here's my profit margin on that it's not worth it oh i never thought about it like that that's why you don't own a business yeah 
I'd have to sell it for this amount of money in right. order to be able to make anything. Right, not worth it. Somebody else is already making that product and is mass producing it and making it. They're selling it for less than I can make it for. So what's the point? Exactly. Well, it's kind of like how this whole hobby works. Someone comes okay. in the show, sees somebody selling something, go, I'm going to do exactly that. I'm like, well, you've already screwed up. Yeah. You can't do exactly what the person is doing when you walk into the show. Especially if they're established. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't go to Jack and Heidi's table, see what they're breeding, go, I'm going to breed exactly that, because that's not exactly what they're going to be breeding next year. Right. And so now you're behind. Yep. Well, and if you don't find something that's your niche and that yeah. you love, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh -oh. Your your passion's not in it. It's not going to, it's going to be a phase. That's right. It's going to fade out. We see know. it all the time. Yeah. That's why the market right now is flooded with use racks. Yes. Yep, it's you know, because I, I people always, hey, man, I just saw one of your racks for sale in the Houston Reptiles group. Yeah, I mean, that's every day. It's, you know, all these people that bought racks two years ago that are now getting rid of their whole collection. You know, they sell all the snakes, then they got the racks they need to sell. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you get that they rotation. reach out to me. Hey, do you buy racks back? No. I don't. Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't want your rack that now has shit and everything else in it. You know, I'll tell them, yeah, I'll buy it back for 25%. And if they're, if they're willing to sell it for 25%, I, yeah, I could refurbish it. Yeah. yeah. Sell it as used, but um, no one's ever actually taken me up on that. So some people have gotten really mad. I just bought it six months ago. I don't. I don't know what's been I in it. I don't want yeah. it. I don't want it. And if, because I'm going to have to replace the tubs, I'm going to replace the heat tape because I don't know what you've done to it. Uh, I got to disinfect it. So I'm going to have to put some money back in it. Yeah, and time, uh, labor. Yeah. Acquisition costs. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah. what are you, are y'all currently, I'm assuming you're breeding stuff also. So what is your uh, big thing you're excited about breeding or having coming up or your next big plan? For me, it's our Ackies. Yeah, I'd say so. For are they red? different. Yeah, we got a pair of red Ackies. Uh, yeah, they're cool. And they've been locking. We've had one like random egg drop from her it, it really almost seemed like it was an accident like she was just running and it popped out it was the weirdest thing it was, like, <laughs> what the laying, fuck was that yeah it was like laying in the middle of the enclosure um but we've been checking and digging and we've got them paired so fingers crossed there huh. um a lot of what we're breeding is more so to stock the shop that's like one of the things that you know i you, you want to like go off and make all these crazy snakes sometimes and it's like you got to think about like we just talked about right what is my average customer coming in the shop you know they're not coming in for a three thousand dollar ball python no, right your audience they're coming in for an albino a pied a normal Absolutely. a banana a banana yeah and if you talk to even some of these these big breeders you know they'll tell you that you're paying your bills on <clears throat> excuse me your 150 250 300 snakes you might sell a thousand three thousand dollar snake a couple times a month you know but those aren't that's not your bread and butter yeah. nope Same with the shop. paycheck snakes so I yeah. can't afford to have a, a rack full of $1,000 snakes and buying other people's, you know, low-end snakes to sell at the shop, obviously. So it's about just trying to find that balance. Uh, but we got a cool, couple cool projects, like the Brazilian Rainbow Boas. Weighs out, obviously, still, but I'm excited about those. Um, we have a female Yuma. We actually got a pair of Yumas. I'm uh, not sorry, not Yumas. Um, what am I thinking of? The, um, <laughs> just totally went blank on uh, Brittany's like, I have no idea what you're thinking. The Womas. I don't know where I was oh, going Woma. The Woma pipeline just... That is drastically different. Completely yeah. different, but it sounds a lot like, right? Oh, so I mean, anyway, they, the they Woma python. Pretty much anything. We got a pair uh, that we we uh, secured and ended up both being females. So the guy's like, I've been having them together. They just won't produce. Oh, like one we, we get them and sex them, and I'm like, well, there you go. That's why. They so keep scissoring and nothing happens. A lot of things possible in 2022, but that ain't one of them. <laughs> exactly. So They identify however they want to, Robert. So I got this this beautiful Woma female that's ready to go, so I've been looking for a male for that. 
that'd be pretty cool to produce. Shit, the guy next to me last weekend had Womas. The one that's between us. Oh Brandon? yeah, the little babies. Oh, he's got them. Yeah. He's got them down there. Does he? Yeah. Yep, definitely. I was eyeing them. Those are cool. Those those are one that what you didn't. We talked about it like last week uh, with the picture of the one where it ate a hook. Ate a whole snake hook. Hold on. Ate a whole snake hook. Hook first, not handle first. Yeah. Hook first. Hook first. You could see the hook, like the whole curve of the hook in it. Wow. Yeah. I'm guess. I'm guessing it was unsupervised. They I, never really gave the story on how it happened. Okay. Yeah. It, but ha- it happened in Australia. Yeah. Because it was an Australian vet that shared it, and they had to do they had to surgically remove the hook. Wow. But they did, and they got it out, and snake's fine. That's incredible. But they will eat anything. So, uh, so when you come to a show like this, I know I've talked with with JT. I found the shows help him keep his like his inventory fresh because you can rotate things in here and in the shop, and you can also helps you pick up stuff. Absolutely. Yep. That's what we try to do. Um, it it just makes it nice and convenient. And you know, like you said, Texas is spread out, so it's like you got a lot of these local breeders, and they're local as we call it, but they're still a couple hours out. So coming yeah, to the for, show just yeah for people out. outside of Texas, local is within three hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's like, oh, you're just right there in San Antonio. Not, not a problem. I'll just run up there. So, yeah, it helps to source the animals. And then, you know, like you said, it's just a family. You know where they came from. You, you know uh, kind of the niches that everybody has. Um, and, yeah, it just works out great. Gives us rotating inventory. And then it also works out, like I said, you know, people come in the shop. They're looking for a certain animal. And I'll tell them all the time. I said, you know, we have a, a list, and we'll write their information down. And we'll walk around the show with that list, looking for animals, and reach out to customers. And so that reminds me. So another thing that's great about like y'all and the Herb Shop and and Grant Family Exotics is that the old school way of small pet shops is they got a list, but they got a list from a wholesaler, and it was like here's the wholesale things we have, and we'll just order whatever's on that list. And they came in in these shittiest conditions sometimes, and sometimes they weren't what you expected. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. your list, you're taking to a place and you're picking it out and you know you're picking out a healthy one and delivering a healthy one to someone who wants it because you know what vendors to buy from. And absolutely. Yep. A lot of times I'm in contact with the customers, so I'm sending text messages. Here's your options. Let's let's do this together. I'm not just picking this for you. You you have to be happy with this. Um, and so they, they do like that too. I get a lot of people who who really feel involved in what's such a better way to shop yes and you're not going to make as high a margin when you're doing it that way but you're going to get a customer a lot of times for life you, you yeah. know that if they're buying that animal a lot of times they're going to need to care for that animal they're going to come and looking for an enclosure so you might well, make 20 30 percent margin on the animal and not you know 70 trying to flip an import but how many do you lose how many of like you said the time and the effort that mm-hmm. you know because unless you know you're that guy you're not just going to bring them to the show and put them on the table looking like crap you're going to try to get them back up to health and so you know time is money and Uh, snakes are addictive so you know they're going to get another one exactly (laughs) i always say you don't just have one you have three or 14. no one flavius (laughs) tell a guy a little while ago that uh snakes are like tattoos you can't have just one and i said look at flavius (laughs) i've never met i've never met somebody with two I've met them with one on their way to ten, yep. but I've never met someone with two snakes. That's no. funny, that is true. One, yeah, three, because or we, thirteen. We bought one, and then went and bought two more. Yeah, and then went and bought like four more. Mm-hmm. So we were we went one, three, ten, like that. Yeah. Well, so, it's like the customer that got the rack from you. You know, he's yeah. like, I want a the three tier adult rack, and I'm like, man, Joe, I, I can tell already you're addicted. Like, I'd probably just go ahead and get the six tub. Like, you're gonna use <laughs> no, I just need the three tub. So then he's like coming to the shop. Well, I need to fill this rack. You know, wasn't long. Of course, he buys snakes, fills it, and then it wasn't like the next show. I think we're going to, and he's like, yeah. I need another one of those three tub racks. I'm like, man, yep. you should have just got the six. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, I, I wish more more pet shops would do it that way. Would would put time and effort into quality animals versus just getting stuff. And, and, and the problem is, it also 
comes on the customer. We live in a very impatient society, yes. and people want stuff then, and sometimes not willing to wait a month until you can get to a show and, and really get something better. Which I, I think Sean and them opening the Herp Shop has really set the standard for a lot of other stores yeah. around, too, because they do it right, and now you've got you guys doing it right. Um, there's a couple other stores. There's a couple stores around here that aren't, you know, I mean, Really near us, most of the stores are pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, for the most part. For the most part. There's a couple of them that are up in Houston, south part of Houston, that aren't great. Um, but I've not made it You haven't far. made it there. You're not, you're not missing anything. Yeah, don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, you know, there's one out in Waco that's horrible. It's like notorious. Um, yeah, I'm not going out there. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think they've really kind of brought it up. You know, because every, you know, it's a small community, so everybody knows each other. Exactly, yeah. and they've really brought the standard up in the last year on what a pet store, what a reptile store should be. Well, the, there's Cali right there. Cal I was oh, saying, I'd say nice things about you, but fuck off. <laughs> so, the Grants, yourself, Sean, also don't go out looking for the cheapest possible of something, yeah, which is a big difference to how it used to be. Cheap isn't always best. Yeah, that's one of my big pet peeves is the the person that comes in the shop and it. It happens all the time, um, and it's not even about the money. It's about the care of the animal, right? Because they come in the shop, they're like, "I got what can I buy for a hundred dollars?" Yeah, I hate that one. And I'm my like, response, not even a cage. My response <laughs> to them is nothing. Like, I'm not gonna sell you anything. For one, there's not too many times you're gonna find anything in my shop that I'm a price less than hundred dollars, even a normal ball python, because it's just that, that's the line for me. I feel like if you're not willing to spend a hundred dollars on it, yes. what kind of care is it gonna get? Because the cage is gonna, <laughs> cage is gonna table. cost you a hundred and. 75 and you haven't got anything else yet to care for the animal so that's yeah. always my concern it's like if, if you're coming in here with a hundred dollars to buy a reptile don't you know i, I hear on other podcasts like we talk about reptile the reptile hobby we will buy a three thousand dollar snake and put it in like a ten dollar tub which is true which is true we do that but it's not just the hobby people when i i've worked in a pet store people don't look at reptiles as something that needs to be set up in a nice setup right they they look at it as this is a cheap animal so I should just have a cheap setup, which is definitely not how it works. Right. And, and yeah, and I hate that. Yeah. And sometimes cheap doesn't mean not right, because that tub may be $10, but that tub... If it's set up correctly. If set up correctly, holds humidity better than an enclosure. And if it's, you know, got the right setup in the, the tub, it's not about the tub itself or, or what's holding it. Uh, I mean, we all know glass isn't really ideal for reptiles. In the you mean my glass 10-gallon with my red bulb for nighttime exactly, isn't the best? Yeah, I mean, I mean, animals don't understand the glass. It, it doesn't hold temperature well. It's going to always be cold to the touch. I mean, there's several problems with glass. Got to so. go again. Okay. He's ready to go. Okay. So, like you said, it's more just taking the time to research the animal. Well, I always tell shoes. people, where, where does this animal live in the wild? In a glass tank. Yes. With a red light. Obviously. That's. I, I, I imagine another hard thing, uh, certain animals, uh, we'll, I promise we're going to end this soon, but... Uh, Bearded dragons on one. I just that drives me nuts because I'm sure you come across this. People buy a bearded dragon, a little baby bearded dragon, and like I'm gonna put it in a 10 gallon tank. You can't like once you get that thing up to temperature, it's in an oven, and they're like, well, I'll move it up as it gets bigger. I'm like, that's not how you should plan for your animal. Like, yeah, it needs room to thermoregulate. Absolutely. And I, not only are they the most often set up wrong, but they're sold as like an animal that's so easy yeah, for your not. kid. And I tell that's the first thing I tell people. I say it's really one of the harder. I mean, yeah. not like they're sure they're easy. They're easy in the sense that to keep it's hard alive. to kill them. Yeah. But the that is that is their unfortunate thing is they are tough, exactly. like tortoises. Yes. yes. But the but the care is not easy. I mean, you're talking fruits and vegetables every 
least every two to three days, if not really daily. Yeah. And then the bugs that you're constantly going to have to have, you know, and if you're not. Well, and is your 12-year-old going to go to HEB and get veggies and chop them for it? Exactly. Like. And then the UVB and the heat. And, you know, if you're going to have it in a bioactive, you need plant light. Like, I tell people all the time, like, you want easy? Buy a crested gecko. I was just about to say, honestly, uh, and the hobby has made keeping a crested gecko super fucking easy now. Now, is it the best handleable pet? That's the one. Problem. Probably not. But if you want something that is kind of in that mid-range, it's still going to eat insects, but you could go with something like a leopard gecko or a fat-tailed gecko, which will still give you something moderate size. You can keep it in a 10-gallon. You don't have to give it a 120-degree basking spot. You're going to have to feed it insects. I mean, it is what it is. Right. But people always jump straight to the bearded dragon. I'm like, it's. I'd rather them jump straight to like a blue-tongued skink before they jump to a bearded dragon. I was like, it's much easier to keep a blue-tongued skink correctly than for you to fuck up a bearded dragon. Yeah, no, that's true. Yep, it's just that one... That one that's sold for kids, it seems. But yeah, I always tell people the same thing. But like you said, it's the handability with the crested gecko. That's where I always, you know, the, the bearded dragons, the ball pythons. Those are the two that you you know are easy to handle. Yes. They're gonna sit there, and if the kid gets distracted for two minutes, it's not gonna disappear on them more than likely. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. No, the crested is going. Yeah, yeah. Our crested will jump out into the air. Yes. Absolutely. Like, Have you ever slow mode their jump? No. It's not straight. They're all like wonky. Yeah. It's. <laughs> It'll, it'll, it will not sit still. It's hand to hand to hand to hand, and then you know it gets to the edge, and you can see in their eyes, like, I'm going to jump there, and there's nothing fucking there. Like, what are you looking at? <laughs> and then they just go, and they they don't care if it's a 10-foot drop or a 10-inch drop. They're just gone. A giant leap of faith they, until they plop right on the ground. And their feet are just like, I hope I can catch something, and then on the ground. They're my favorite. They're they, awesome. they are goofy-ass animals, but they are. They, we have one, and it's just, I mean, it sounds bad, and it's not meant to be. But it is very bare care when it comes to something compared to like a bearded or something like that. It's, you know, they can live at room temperature and they can. Yep. Yeah. You don't need heat if, you know, keep them in a reasonable range of temperature. The diet is so easy to do. The diet's super easy. And, you know, yeah, they need bugs, but they don't, you know, if you go a couple days without having bugs, they're fine. Yeah. You can throw them in there as a treat type of thing. uh, And there's so many powdered diets now that you can get that have even high protein powder diets and straight fruit powder diets. With insects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the Crested Gecko really has changed a lot of the reptile hobby. I mean, hell, Lichianus geckos are easy to keep because crested geckos are easy to keep. Gargoyle geckos are easy because crested. Day geckos, all those things are easy to do because crested geckos were popular and they went, we need to make this easy for people, for for that mom that comes in to buy their kid their first lizard from a pet store like yourself. Yeah. Well, and the kid is only going to be interested in really holding and handling that for two weeks. Yes. And then they're going to be done with it. So the parent needs to enjoy that animal. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I would always tell, like, if you're going to buy your little kid something, you need to like that animal because it's about to be yours. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the new wears off pretty quick. Yes. Really quick. Yep. Oh, no, your help's running away. So we'll let you get back to over there and, and, and sell stuff. It looks empty over there. I'll say, I see one head behind your table. <laughs> there is one person still there. We have there. A, a faithful. I tried to, yeah, I tried to get y'all on last week, but then like on Sunday, I was like, I'm going to get, and then it was just Joe, and I was like, yeah, nope. Br- Brittany decided not, to go on a binger on <laughs> Saturday night. Brittany enjoyed the beach. We'll blame Lori. Hang out with Lori. <laughs> That's your problem. I love she actually Lori. did really good until we got to the grab bag of random uh, liquor shot bottles. That's <laughs> just got a little out of hand. So I got you on this week. I was glad to get you on this week. Yeah, we were glad to do it. We've um, been wanting to get on for a while. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Y'all, good luck this weekend, and we'll talk to you later. Awesome. All right. Bye. All right, we're back in Brian Call Station at the Herp Show, and we are joined by Matt Harrell of Minuteman Fossils. So you've got a lot of old stuff on your table. 
where everybody here has babies and new stuff. You're like, no, I'm going to go the opposite direction and bring you stuff that's been dead for millions of years. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't want to feed it. So <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. This is my kind of table. <laughs> that is the easy. We've always said that the people that make the most money at shows are not the ones that sell animals, but the ones that sell, like, the shit that people can pick up and go. Like, dry goods vendors, and then you've got, like, I'm not going to buy my kid a snake, but I'll buy him a rock. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of the rocks, we get a lot of the more collectible stuff. It's more of an investment than uh, just a trinket. If yeah. you hold on to it, you keep the info with it, like locality and everything, then uh, it'll only increase in value. See, we have all the locality reptile people. They can get into locality rocks. Fossils are cool, it's man. A, it's a big business for localities. So do you, how much collecting do you do versus just like getting stuff for the collect like how much do you actually go out and dig and find fossils as much as possible I, i'm usually in the field at least one day per week um, actually all of july i was traveling between new mexico utah and colorado digging and and getting some work in and whatnot and doing some collecting but we also buy old collections we trade we buy from wholesalers we also wholesale a little bit of everything because y'all have got some, some big stuff over there, too. It's not just all, like, little, like, things that fit in your pocket. There are some really big things. Oh, yeah. There's some there's some pretty hefty stuff. Like, our large Stylemmys Nebraskans is every bit of 60, 70 pounds. So, so what is what is that for people that don't know? That would be an Oligocene-aged burrowing tortoise shell that we've got from South Dakota. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a pretty sweet piece. And, and those guys lived in a floodplain environment, so we commonly find their limbs head, tail, and even eggs associated with their shells. How big of a turtle is that full-grown, uh, when, when it was full-grown? Well, that one in particular is about 35 to 40 inches across the narrow side, 40 to 45 across the long side, but they Holy got a lot larger. Yeah. Than that's the one that's on the floor over there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I did not I feel like lifting it onto the table this <laughs> You keep looking at me like, yeah, it's over here. Or this no, I'm just telling you where it's at. I haven't even walked around the show because I've been up at the have front you, working the register. Have you ever been to the, um, the Mammoth Park? Outside of Waco. Oh yeah, I that was actually my first job in paleontology. I did tours and classes oh. at the Mammoth site up Place there for awesome, a year. Man. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, the way they said it's basically like a little, uh, like a creek that they were in, and they maybe got hit by a flash flood or something, and oh, yeah. now there's just all these mammoths down there, and then they found what a couple of saber-toothed cats, and uh, they found one saber to a baby saber-tooth. Yeah. We don't know if it was the Homotherium serum, which was more lightly built with smaller fangs, or the the Smilodon fatalis, which is the classic one everybody thinks of. Yeah. Uh, Camels. But yeah, no, there's a complete camel. It's gorgeous camel. Yeah. I um, read a book about the camels in Texas, yep. and I Googled it because I'm like, there there were so many details in the book. I'm like, this has to be a I think, true story. I think you're on a different story. And I've He's talking about like native camels. Oh yeah, you're talking like ice age camels. Yeah, but oh. you know it, it. The interesting thing about camels, camels, horses, deer, most of our ungulates did originate here in North America about 40 million years ago. They all went extinct by the end of the Pleistocene, but the horses got their big return. The the camels <laughs> we tried right. just didn't stick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm talking about camels that were brought over yeah, so, like yeah. 1800s. So there's a there's a show that actually second season's coming out now called um, uh, La Brea. And it's until mm. so they had they jump back in time, and the, in there they show camels, like camels that get stuck in the Brea tar pits. And I was like, oh look, it's the camels that we used to have. Yep, that's oh. the reference to the camels that we used to have here. Yeah, and a lot of them actually look more like llamas. They didn't have the hump because yeah. the humps were storing water. Right. We were not an arid climate. We were a savanna climate at that time. So, yeah. Th those are Colombian mammoths, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. they're smaller. 
Oh, no, they're much bigger. Bigger, okay. Yeah, the woolly mammoth was several feet shorter at the shoulder than the uh. Columbian, but never made it south of Nebraska. So all throughout the south, well, all we had was Columbians, which 14 feet high at the shoulder, 20,000 pounds, massive animals. Crazy 700 to think that pounds. round here. Well, the crazier part is people always think it's so long ago, and it was, but the last mammoth went extinct when, like, the pyramids were being built. So oh, it yeah. wasn't like there were mammoths and then people. When we killed mm -hmm. a lot of fucking mammoths. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, uh, Wrangell Islands in Russia, 6,000 years ago, had the last mammoths. But I, I actually recently found a publication that was talking about giant ground sloths that existed until about that time oh, in the Caribbean. Uh, oh, what? That's weird? Oh, no, it was super strange. We don't know how they got there, why they huh. were there. And but you wouldn't think something that big... In, like, island areas. Normally, island areas are smaller stuff, so, I mean... Oh, yeah. No, I mean, everyone thinks of 20-foot-tall ground sloths. Yeah, These were right. six or seven feet tall. At but max. still a man-sized sloth. Oh, don't. Right. No, for sure. <laughs> but their their extinction does coincide with humans' arrival on the islands. Yeah, they probably so, got there and go, we got to kill that thing. That's, <laughs> yeah. That thing's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone, oh, but yeah. I bet it tastes good. Someone go stab yeah. that and cook it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Let's, let's, what the hell? Really? This is Kayla. Really? I need you. Why are we? I'm sorry for because I'm not up there, and when I'm up there, I have just the falling apart up front. Uh oh, too many people have the microphone. <laughs> but uh, I always tell folks in North America we really got it easy because like we really got the sissified things of all like the big predators and things that can kill you, and then most of stuff that was really like saber. All that stuff died out before that was really a problem. Like you go to like oh, yeah. Africa and they still have big cats. Ours is we have cougars, mm -hmm. but I'm not overly afraid of cougars hunting me down right as i would be a pride of lions in africa or tigers in asia and then like when we talk about crocodilians we got alligators all the time alligators are big old puppy dogs compared to everything else oh yeah no for sure and, and i mean we did see a decline in the megafauna the all the large animals towards the end of the ice age but the the interesting thing is the uh the predators that survived they are adapted to eat small and large prey whereas smilodon the american cheetah american lion and all the others dire wolf um, those were not capable of sustaining their uh, metabolism. Direwolf was a it. was a big wolf. Oh, I mean, that it was, was huge, huge yeah. wolf. Yeah, and, and new new DNA research says it's not a wolf. It's a a wolf thing. Maybe so, like like the maned wolf. How the maned wolf isn't a wolf. Yeah, kind of, sorta, similar deal. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, it, crazy stuff. I always uh, find it interesting when I teach my kids about fossils and biology. You know, I have to explain to them. Like when you go to the when you go to a museum and you see a dinosaur fossil, you're not seeing dinosaur bone per se. You're seeing rock that was bone, but now all the minerals have been replaced. So like it's heavy as hell now because now it's a rock, and it, it looks like bone, but it's no longer the same as a bone, mm -hmm. um, which is always interesting to me. Which is like uh, everybody always sees Jurassic Park like well, everybody back dinosaurs like well you can't really do don't really have DNA for dinosaurs mm -hmm. like. A, the movie was great. We could bring back woolly mammoths. We could bring back oh, yeah. things you that existed the, when we were around. You see the scientists in Australia that thinks they're going to be able to clone a thylacine. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I, read I would that. be cool with that in, in a zoo. Obviously, I don't. You yeah. can't release that now in the wild because they've changed. It's adapted so much not to have a predator. Right. But I mean, we did fucking kill it, so it would be nice to at least see it in existence. Yeah. I mean, if we reintroduced the thylacine, we'd have to get rid of the dingo. <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah. They, you can't have both. That's yeah. too many predators for one environment. <laughs> I'm all for bringing back certain things uh, it, for, it, for, for zoo-type settings. So you can go, look, this is what it was. You know, we, we Especially for things that we killed, things that naturally went extinct. I'm like, no, they had their time. Mm. We, it's gone. But like, we fucked up the dodo bird. Bring back a couple of those. Let's see what a dodo bird looks like in person. Yeah. No, that'd be awesome. If, if they could 
create a thylacine that only ate feral cats. Yes. <laughs> so it would be awesome in Australia. Or toads, if it or could toads. eat cane yeah. toads cane and not die. Toads, right. <laughs> that's, that's what you need. Yeah, because all you have is that one video of that one lone, I think, female it was. And like, it's a black and white, but they've recolored yeah. the video. And that's all you get of the thylacine. And then, but over there, it's funny because you have, like, so. <laughs> So we always make fun of people over here saying they see black panthers, black panthers, and they're not real. But over there, you have the same people that are like that they think they see thylacines but roaming. At least they actually at least existed. they existed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's a it's a trade-off. So what is your over on your table right now? What is is the turtle your favorite thing? What's your favorite thing that you have? So my favorite thing, uh, it's probably going to be a tie between our partial Colombian mammoth skull that we've got. Um, it's big, impressive. Is that piece. the one on the corner of the table? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, yep, yep. that's a big chunk of skull. Oh, it, it is. Um, and then we just finished up a composite dentition to a, a Tychotis whiplei shark. So that was a shell crushing shark from the Cretaceous. I've Jeez. been trying to get enough teeth together for this thing for like three years now. And finally got the symphysials, which run up the center of the jaw to where I could put one together. And um, I'm pretty proud with how that one turned out. That's awesome, dude. Mm -hmm. That's going to be cool. So, so uh, you. Good, good. So you collect all the pieces and then mm -hmm. put it together to sell. Yep. So you spent three years on this project and you're going to part with it. Yeah. That oh was the whole, like, I've, I've been buying Tychotis teeth from collectors. I've been collecting them myself out in the field for ten years now, nine years, something like that. And you know it's who he used to meet? With that one Mikey. goal in mind. So, yeah, but yeah, I do all the, the collecting. I do the preparations. I've got some projects I've been sitting on for five years, some for 15. That's so cool. I mean, it's just a matter of time. I have a customer. Yes, sir who used to be a purchaser for several museums. Mm -hmm. And he has a collection at his house. You went there with me once, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy it stuff in there. It is impressive. With, he's like, he's got boxes and boxes. He's like, I don't even know what's in those. I mean, he's got like full nests of egg, dinosaur eggs and oh, just cool. sitting next to his TV. Yeah. And um, that dude has an amazing collection. Mm -hmm. And now he's got like... 100 grand worth of all python things <laughs> the last year uh, that he's all of a sudden gotten into <clears throat> but he uh, he had gotten um he got injured in the bp explosion and got a huge settlement and was already well had mm -hmm. already done really well for himself so uh yeah he's just got cool stuff you you would enjoy oh you, yeah, he yeah could it's, probably it's museum talk, stuff he's like you he knows all the scientific names he's like I picked this up in Egypt at this village and, like, bought it from this guy, and I had to, oh. like, go to this ritualistic thing where they had to bless me before I could buy it, and and they traveled all over the world sourcing that stuff. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, you and he would I, – I would just be like, all right, uh, meet each other. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just let them do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I love it. And so you talked about having to collect all this stuff for this one jaw and this one – I don't think I think a lot of people when they see a, a fossil or at least a replica of a fossil at a museum like oh they just dug in the ground and found that whole thing, but the majority of the time it's not a full skeleton or oh. a full anything, yeah. right? Yeah, no, it, the majority of fossils are going to be partials. You, you're lucky to even have more than half of the fossil present when you find it. Uh, there, it a lot of stuff that you see on display undergoes restoration where we restore the missing parts. Sometimes we have to recreate entire bones. Like, say we have a foot. It's missing one out of the 20 bones. We have to create that bone or composite another one in, usually create it. Yes. So when you create it, I figured it, I was like, I, I just raised my hand so that they would know. Uh, so when you recreate it, I think I remember seeing this at the Smithsonian in D.C. Um, 
they were missing like one or two pieces, but the pieces were imperative to be able to put the whole thing together. Mm -hmm. So they were actually laser printing mm -hmm. that piece to be able to complete it. And then if they were able to get almost like an original, I guess you could, would call it, then they would go and replace it later. But yeah. so is that similar? Basically, we, we do do a lot of uh, 3D printing um, and, and that helps a lot, but we can't find files for everything and scanners are expensive. So yeah. if we can't get a hold of a file, then we are stuck with molding and casting. If we can find somebody that has an original, they'll let us make a copy. Otherwise, I have a really good paleo artist that will sculpt it and it'll yeah. work well enough until we can get a replacement. That's awesome. So I, one thing I saw that I thought was funny is uh, is the way that we, we view dinosaurs now visually, How we, and a lot of that really is Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's how the major, majority of general people think a dinosaur looks as they go through all like that. Um, and I saw a funny comparison where they took the skeleton of, well, they don't tell you at first what it is, but they, they take a skeleton and they ask someone to recreate what they think this thing would have looked like. And it was fucking horrible. And then they're like, it's a, it's a swan. And it looks nothing like the way they redesigned it. Uh, because we don't, because we have an idea, but there's a whole lot of other muscle and fat. And there's, there's things right. on the body that we don't have. So, like, a lot of the, the way things look may not be exactly how they look. Oh, and, yeah. And a lot of the, like, the dinosaurs may have been a little thicker in some places than what we thought they were. And so it's just very interesting when it comes to, like, the artists that, that render certain things. And you see how things change. Like, how Velociraptors were at one point, and they're like, oh, no, no, they're feathers. They have feathers. Yeah. And the ones you're seeing in Jurassic Park aren't Velociraptors because those are too big, and they're supposed to have feathers. Mm -hmm. So it's... It Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were saying something. I'm going to. Go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to ask John Green's question. Ask John Green's question. <laughs> it's silly. He wants to know how come we never find dinosaur penises. <laughs> oh, my God. I think it falls in the same. I said, I think because they're meat. <laughs> flesh, they're fleshy. Flesh. I, there's I no, there's I no, no bones. No bone. I don't I think it's not like a raccoon. We we have though found the impressions to cloacas. So uh -huh. the so what you're saying, you can make a dinosaur fleshlight. You totally can. Um, oh there's a spot God. in England, and I we, heard about We are sitting on a gold mine, people. Oh my God. <laughs> if we could just make dinosaur fleshlights. I think they need me up front. I think. What, what I are think you talking about? We're about to, to retire. <laughs> <laughs> there are You'll enough. never have to work the front again. Oh there's enough weirdos God. out there that would buy dinosaur fleshlights like this. Just was, to say they had one. Not just to say they had one. It is not just well, to say they had one. I'm oh. going to no, say. No one has bought a, a fleshlight to just say they had one. Just to say they have one. I mean, they sell dragon dildos. We oh can sell a dinosaur. God. So, camels have baculums. Yeah. So you could probably find a camel baculum, which is the bone. Oh yeah. In it. So the the largest fossil baculum you can find is walrus. I'm about to say walrus. And yeah. the the Inuits up there would find them, carve them into clubs and clubs, and beat baby seals with Joe, them. So somebody like, gave Joe Rogan a cane. Made from a walrus baculum, so it's a, like a walking <laughs> stick made from a walrus. Just <laughs> beating them with walrus penises. Hey, yeah. It's also called an usik. So yeah. uh, <laughs> there you go. I guess because walrus penis just didn't sound right. <laughs> right. No. Can y'all hand me that walrus penis? <laughs> <laughs> I need to go beat me a seal. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna beat off this seal with this wall. Hey, we went off the fucking rails. Thanks, oh. John Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, right? I, I still had something else, and I wanted to talk. I can't. That now I'm thinking about. Penises. Penises. I, that it happens. It, there's lots of penises. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my favorite. We we talked last night. My, my favorite fossil are trilobites. I, I actually looked it up when we left last night. I was like, trilobites lived for 270 
million years as a group. I remember this conversation last night. Where's you were falling asleep in the car? I fell asleep maybe four times on the way back to the Airbnb. <laughs> I'm not kidding. But people, But I remember this conversation. <laughs> what I find interesting is, is humans, because we're very self-centered, think that we're such a successful species, which in reality, we haven't done jack shit mm -hmm. compared to like, I mean, T-Rex was around for like 70-something million years. Trilobites are around for 270 million years. And we've been around for like... 200,000 years uh, as human, more than that, as Homo but, sapien. But yeah. It, or and if you go back to an ancestor, you have 10 million, 11 million, you go back to Australopithecus. There we go. Which it always kills me when I talk to people about fossils when it comes to like evolution. There's always that whole, like, uh, well, we don't know. There's still the missing link. I'm like, no, no, no. We, we've collected a lot of shit now. Mm -hmm. uh, the Smithsonian's one of my favorite places because they have a, you can go there and you can see all the way through and go, oh no, we've collected enough, enough to see that, yeah, this was here and we weren't here. Mm -hmm. And then we show up over here. So it happens. But you sell fossils to people on a regular basis. And we talked last night about people coming up to you going, yeah, I don't believe these are real, even though it's in their hand. Even though they're about to buy it. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not going to buy it. They're just in there to prove that he's wrong. Yeah. that I've had people whip out video cameras and start hammering me with one sided arguments. <laughs> like, I. Some of some of my experiences with uh, with New Earth creationists, primarily who does it, are are strictly negative. I've had some good experiences, but too many are bad, and a lot of that is just ignorance. Yeah. And uh, that they've been told one thing, and they they believe that one yeah, thing. Yeah, and the only thing I can really do is ad advocate for a, a reform of our education system because <laughs> I don't know what else to blame. It's it's gets a it gets pretty obscene. Well, and it's funny because their argument is purely to try and prove that what you have is not real, which is visible, mm -hmm. like it's there. They're holding it, and to prove that what they have no proof of is real. It's a weird argument. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, and no matter what you do, no matter how many facts, no matter how many anything you throw at them, it's you're wrong. You were wrong from the start, <laughs> and you're never gonna be right. So there's no point in even arguing about it. Nope. You know what I mean? This is crazy. It's, it's insane. I just love the people like, they put the bones in the ground. Whose job is that? Right. <laughs> Who's, all right, guys, this is what we got to do around the world. We just need to send you all out to dig holes, put it in there, pack it down really tight, and then come back later and pretend you just found it. Mm -hmm. But you got to do it everywhere and, and all my, the time. My question is to, when, when I've argued with people in that group, that Christians Against Dinosaurs group, is, well, how did that one become encased in a rock? Oh, that was done in a lab. <laughs> those, those lab rocks. That, that rocks that that boulder's the size of a house. You know that thing weighs half a million pounds. That big helicopter. it up into this mountain. Big uh, helicopters. Yeah, yeah. Industrial Revolution. We can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's easier for people to understand than deposition and geology, right. deep time, and yeah. all that. See, that's what kills I, me is the explanation that has actually happened is a much easier yes. story to give. Well, that's what oh, I asked yeah. him. I said, so what's their incentive for this? Oh, big paleo. Because <laughs> like, all those rich paleontologists. They're like, well, Jurassic Park's making a millions. Well, that's, 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 that's not a paleontologist. Say, that's, that's, Spielberg. that's great for yeah. actors yeah. and actresses. I didn't realize Spielberg was a paleontologist. A rich paleontologist. No. I've never met one. I mean, <laughs> it, like, yeah. wherever they're working, tell me, I'll quit what I'm doing right now. I will, I will join Big bench. Paleo right now. Yeah. That's it. Right. So what is your background? Uh, so my dad was a commercial paleontologist up until he passed in 1999. See, big paleo. Uh, <laughs> I was indoctrinated at an early age. <laughs> 
and then uh, so I after that I tried everything elect uh, electrical work culinary arts you name it it all comes back to rocks it's not as cool so as treasure hunting then I went uh, I went and studied geology and paleontology at McLennan Community College South Dakota School of Mines and Tech got a job offer back in Texas at a museum as curator and lab manager so I took the job offer got tired of having a boss here we are Awesome. So now I'm a privateer. I'm not a pirate because I'm legal, but uh, we're, we're close enough. Pri privateer. That's it. I, we got to have a distinction. A, he has a license. He's good. He's not just doing it without one. <laughs> I have a friend who um, he goes down in uh, like Spring Creek down by Houston and the mm -hmm. Trinity River, and he finds these huge chunks of petrified wood. Oh, yeah. And then he's got um, a That shit's big, expensive. He's got a big saw be. so he can cut it into sections. And What's your friend's name? His name's Warren Riley. Okay, it doesn't he, ring a bell. I know a few guys down there that hunt wood, though. He does, he's Actually, he's in Talladega, Alabama right now for a job. He's been there for like two years. Gotcha. But he, he'd he be like, yeah, uh, we're a little short on money this month. Uh, I can make like five grand if I go cut one of these and sell this piece to this guy who builds these tables. Oh, yeah. I used to have a piece. Why do you not do that all the time, then, bro? <laughs> I would just do that every day. Oh, yeah. Now, the problem is with the market, if you... If he did that every single day, he'd saturate the market. Mm -hmm. That's After exactly the what first he said. one or two pieces, he yep. loses his premium. It starts to decline. There's a lot of dealers that do that, which is unfortunate because these one-of-a-kind pieces, mm -hmm. they have 100 more back at their house. Yeah. So there is a lot of deception in the market with uh, in that regard. But it is what it is. Yep. I used to have a chunk. It was about the size of a brick. And it was always good to show kids when we're covering like evolution and all, because you like look, you can, because you can see like the actual like knob where a, mm -hmm. where a chunk, like a branch, come out of it. And uh, I I always think the it's got to be tricky for y'all when you're looking for something, because you're looking for basically rock in rock, but the rock has to be slightly different than the other rock. Oh yeah. Like yeah. That. And and if you don't know what you're looking for, you're looking for something new. You won't you won't know what it's supposed to look like until you find it. Yeah. I was just about to say, if I were to go out, I would, I, I would have no clue what I was looking mm -hmm. for. That's like I've seen people hunt for geodes, and I'm like, how the fuck do you know which one's a geode? It's it's a rock in a pile of other rocks, and you have to know that one's hollow. After you've wasted your time breaking open all the duds, <laughs> I mean, you you know what to look for. And then you get the one because like, I'm assuming a geo is better if it's not opened yet. Or, yes. And so that's the problem is you have to be like. Yes, this one's definitely a geode. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I yep. don't want to break it open because it may be a geode. No, and that's how it goes with fossils, too. Like, a better fossil is going to be one that's not fully exposed. Yeah. Uh, as soon as it hits the air, as soon as it hits the elements, it starts to decompose, starts to break apart. Wind, rain, up north, frost, and all that will start to just turn it to dust, uh, which... It's why it's important to get out there and find the stuff and, and uh, preserve it. Exactly. Well, that's the reason, you know, we, we talked about earlier, you don't tend to find a complete fossil. I mean, anybody that's ever gone out in the woods or whatever, you find like part of a raccoon or whatever that's broken down and biodegraded. For a fossil, you needed that raccoon to get covered by some mud or something so it didn't keep breaking down over time. Oh, yeah. And so that's what happens when you find, that's what I think is so cool about hunting dinosaur fossils is there's a story. If you find them, right, there's a story to be told as to why they were there, where they were, what was happening. Mm -hmm. And the coolest ones is when you find those sites that have more than one of them. Yep, yep. The you, bone you, beds and whatnot. Yeah. You need to uh, go, to you guys, like like y'all did y'all's day trip a while back to the Bluebell. Yeah. Y'all yeah. need to go to Waco. Oh, you go, should. Go to the mammoth thing. Really? It's and super do the tour. Cool. Okay. Do the walking tour. 
Yeah. Um, like, I mean, before you go into their big building where they're actually doing the dig, it's like no chewing gum, no take your sunglasses off because they don't want you leaning over and them falling off. And mm-hmm. um, they're very specific about what you can do in there. But, man, it's that's awesome. It's pretty amazing. We'll have to look. We'll look into that for sure. No, you definitely should. It's really affordable to get in there too. Yeah. Like forty-five minutes max. It's worth it. Because it's part of the national park system. Oh, oh really? Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you, there was people there getting their, you know, little coin or whatever they get. People collect all of them for the national parks. Well, and, and the national parks also have a deal for teachers. Oh, yeah. So, like, when educators go, it's yep. a discounted rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're sorry at a reptile show. People have their own specialty and there are things they like. And, obviously, your table is a wide variety of fossils mm-hmm. and rocks and stuff. Uh, what is something that – is there something that you normally go out looking for on a regular – you're like, oh, I love going to look for this. So – the main things I like to focus my time on are decapods, crabs, lobster, shrimp, uh, uh, chinoderms, so we're talking starfish, yeah. sea urchins, that kind of thing, crinoids, and then uh, tertiary or cenozoic mammals. Uh, so that's all the mammals that lived after the death of the dinosaurs. And I also collect shark teeth too, but as far as primary focuses, the first three are are probably my favorites. They're they're super interesting. They're they're odd, and we have modern analogs so we can understand better how they lived. Like you find a, a Oligocene-aged horse called Mesohippus. Well, just off the teeth, we can tell. Okay, it had more of a deciduous diet, and it lived in this environment, and it probably acted like this. But with dinosaurs, I mean, we have no point of reference aside right. from theropod like, dinosaurs. We're like, maybe it's so like a lizard. We don't know. Exactly. It drives me insane because I just want to see them alive. I want to know what they did, how they sounded, yeah, all that. Yeah, because when you see these renderings of dinosaurs, we're guessing on what color they were. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. guessing on texture of their skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that. A lot of it, yeah. We have found pigments like uh, – I think Leonardo, he's a mummified hadrosaur that was found up in, I believe, Montana. He's at the Houston Museum of Natural Science. Um, if I remember right, we have found pigments associated with that specimen. And you, we were even able to see striping patterns on its petrified skin. Um, that museum is on our list. Oh, no, it's the best museum that's I've the ever one, been that's to. That's the one that really? we keep trying oh, to get to. Yes. It's 15 minutes from our house. Yeah, Dude. it's right. It's not far from the zoo no. at all. That, it, that no, was right one I, the zoo. Yeah. When I grew up, that was one room. Now, it. Uh, the first time I went into their new hall, it took me four hours to get through. <laughs> it is yeah. crazy. Yeah, so big. on Thursdays, from 2 to 5, it's free. Mm-hmm. And I, but I kept telling myself over the summer, I ended up traveling so much that we, we didn't make it. But I kept saying that we would just go a couple Thursdays in a row. Oh, yeah. And see it all. Yeah. Uh, the last time I was was when Body Worlds was there. Oh, I bet uh, that was cool. That's an awesome. I've been to it yeah. twice. I went to it like 10 years ago and then a couple years ago. Nice. Um, that Body Worlds, that's an amazing. And then you also get to go, it's because it's, it's in the museum. So you're also getting to do the museum as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we gotta go. We gotta go at some yeah. point. Yeah. So you like doing the the mammals you know, after about 65 million years ago, which yeah. I think is really neat because that explosion of mammals, uh, you know, another thing when I go back to teaching dino- like time and change, I talk about dinosaurs in class. I talk about uh, you know the extinction of dinosaurs. Like you better all thank that meteor. Like that <laughs> the whole reason we exist is because it killed those guys. Like there were mammals. At, I think that's some people. A lot of people don't realize is there were mammals at the time of dinosaurs. But oh, they, yeah. they were like rodent type mammals, like running around the forest floor. They weren't. Well, we, we've actually, over the last five to ten years, we've learned so much more about the mammals during the Mesozoic, during the time of the dinosaurs, yeah. and even the uh, the death of the dinosaurs themselves. 
uh, there were German sh German Shepherd-sized mammals running around. There just weren't that many. Yeah. And the Chicxulub impact crater, it occurred 300,000 years before the death of the dinosaurs, based off of some research that A&M had done. Oh, cool. Uh, a little over a decade ago or so. So there, there's still some holes to fill, but like, what what I enjoy about the Cenozoic mammals, uh, not just being able to see similar animals that and knowing how they lived and all that but we we have such a good fossil record from those animals because it's more recent a uh, lot of dinosaurs the uh, dinosaur deposits there's massive gaps of time where we'll never we'll probably never see what happened at that time but with these cenozoic mammals we we will see all of that and, yeah. and even like horse lineages like you talked about evolution being kind of eh with whales and horses, we have a full lineage. Yeah. We, we can track it. We can see horses growing in size and moving from a deciduous diet to a grazing diet. I always bring that up a lot because uh, because I worked at a zoo and I know, I know tapirs and I know that tapirs and horses oh. are related. So I always do that. I'll show them, I think mm -hmm. it's like hylocamper, hippocamp, whatever the little tiny dude was. I'm like, this, you can see it had toes. Mm -hmm. And then you can go through the fossil record and go where they had less toes and smaller toes and smaller toes. Yep. And then you get to horses and then you realize this group over here didn't lose the toes they're short and fat and they live in a jungle and they're related to a horse because i always pull up a picture of a taper and go what do you think this is related to and you always get like pig yeah and elephant pig offense i always got the I, elephant i always with get my younger kids i always get anteater and that's when i pull up a picture of an anteater and go guys you've never seen an anteater this is an anteater <laughs> yeah they're like well it's got a long nose i'm like yeah but it's not even close but i'm like then i'll pull up horse and they're all like How's that related to a horse? Well, here you go, and here's the fossil record mm -hmm. because it's a very interesting, you know, divergence in those species. Well, we had a like collared peccaries, javelinas. They're more, they're closely related to a rodent, yeah, than they are a pig. And everybody thinks they're a pig, and they're not, they're not even close. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's suinae versus suidae, like way, way different. Or teaching like uh, vestigial limbs and organ stuff. You talk about whales, and you like, here's a hip bone. They had hips. They still have hips. They have no legs, but they have hips. Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to answer John's uh, question to him right now. Oh, right now. <laughs> we got John. John, the reason that they don't find uh, penises is because they're flesh and they go away. But they have found impressions of cloaca. So we can make dinosaur fleshlights. You Google it. You can find good articles <laughs> oh online. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> that is exactly what they did. They just squatted down and, <laughs> and printed their cloaca in the oh mud. Oh, my God. There you go. Y'all are killing me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like when, as soon as you tell a kid like dinosaurs have or uh, whales have hip bones, like wait, whales had legs? No, <laughs> their ancestors had. Le Do not picture a whale with four legs walking around on land. God, it's not what we had. Right. But like uh, the, the Smithsonian has several fossils hanging up, and you can see the the hip, the hip bones as oh, they yeah. go get smaller and smaller. <clears throat> So, yeah, yeah. And they still even have the vestigial ves yeah. vessels of their legs too, for that matter. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm a boa person, so boas same thing. They still have that girl, that hip girdle back there. Oh no way! I really? Oh yeah, boas. Have, so they have what? they have spurs back by the cloaca that they use for uh, enticing the female during mm -hmm. boas and pythons for the most part. Um, and that's the remnants of legs, and that's it's still got like a uh, the hip little hip girdle there in that area of the body. That's so cool. And yeah. They can, they can move the spurs. Yeah, they can move them independently. The male will get up next to the female and kind of tickle her with them and <laughs> get her in the mood. I'm going to have to look into that. Oh, yeah. Her. Look, we'll leave here and I'll go find you a boa and I'll show you the spurs on them. Perfect. But uh, that, at ball pythons. That's a female, so she will. Yeah, that bo yeah, the males. Well, some females have them, but the males tend to have larger ones. Gotcha. And they use them still for, for mating purposes, which is why they still, you know, they're still functional, so they still exist. That's crazy. 
Yeah. I had no idea. That's Fun stuff you learn in the reptile all show. Kinds of stuff. <laughs> but all right, we'll let you get back to your table and, and sell yep. and peddle your fake fossils. I know. To I want to come look. <laughs> I want to come look at Lie to people about the history of the earth. But oh, if, well. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to get a hold of you and see what you have, how could they do that? Uh, so you can reach us on social media at Minuteman Fossils. We also have a website, www.minutemanfossils.com. Um, Real original. Yeah, yeah, you know, make it easy. <laughs> uh, you can also email us at matt, M-A-T-T, dot minutemanfossils at gmail.com. And uh, we're happy to help out with identifications, advice. We also do full services. So, Jesus Christ, Sean. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you have a fossil you need dug up, prepared, land with fossils you need leased, scouted, you name it, we're full service. All right, real awesome. quick. Yes, sir. How many times do people bring you something? What is this? And you're like, it's, it's a rock. Like 99% of the time. <laughs> it's endless. <laughs> or, like, have you ever had, like, it's petrified poop? Like, do you ever get that one? Uh, yeah, it, actually, those are the ones that are more likely to turn out. <laughs> it's crazy. Apparently, he just made a post on the vendor group that we're going to need to read. You can ed- edit this part. I'm not editing it out. It's staying in there. I don't edit shit. I don't know what it was, but Uh-oh. Robert's pulling it up. It sounds like something. And then how trouble. often do you get, because of TV, ask for Megalodon shark teeth? Oh, it, it always. That's like the only false. Do you have Megalodon shark teeth? It's a staple. I have kids all the time. We don't know. Megalodon's still alive. I was like, no, it's not. Oh. Well, you don't know that. I'm like, your your argument is that it exists because you haven't seen it, which is, you'll love this. I've had to tell kids on, this is every year, that mermaids aren't real. Oh. And their, arg- their argument. Get on your soapbox That one drives later. me nuts. Oh, dude. It would me too. And their argument is, we don't know it's not real because we haven't seen it versus knowing it's not real because we have, like, mm-hmm. you have no proof and Yes, I have no proof, which is why I don't believe it exists. Like, it does, it's a weird argument. Uh, that's, yeah, wow. I don't know how you do it, man. No so. clue. All right, let's 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 get out of here and we'll go read that post. All right. Cool. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Bye.